This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. The Lost Daughter, a Netflix film that is written and directed by, I am going to just say, the brilliant Maggie Gyllenhaal, based on a novel, novella, by Elena Ferrante. I wanted to start with some pretty big declarations, Mm because you know that's just how I am. Yes, okay. I start with these big emotional gestures, declarations, feelings, and then I unpack the meaning and the nuance. It's very Aries of you. Go. Great. Yes. So first, I loved this movie. Even the first time through when I don't even know what I was really watching and I hadn't processed anything, my initial reaction, as you know, I emailed you, was, wow, wow, wow. Mm -hmm. I was floored. And then the more I processed, the more I freaking obsessed. And I loved it because it made me feel so much and made me think really hard. Not, I didn't love it because I thought it was like a great story and made me feel good. Obviously, none of those things are true. These are pretty terrible characters doing terrible things in this period of time. But I loved it anyway. Second, which is probably a very natural extension of that last piece, is I freaking hated, I hated Lita. I, Leda, yeah. right? Leda. Leda, I had yes, to write Leda. it out Leda so Leda. I remember. Okay, hated. Hated. Okay. Well, now we're going to talk about that. Okay. There's more, there's way more behind that. Of course. But, and we're going to talk about it plenty in our complicated woman segment. Mm-hmm. But I freaking hated her. Wow. And then, okay. yeah, I told you, big declaration. Strong Three, feelings. Strong We don't do it feelings. any other way. Although I, I actually do in this one, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. So then the third is... I read the book yeah. after I watched the movie. I'm so happy. You did I was that. so compelled to I need more of this. And I have the third point is Maggie Gyllenhaal is a fucking genius. I love her. That brilliant. Yeah. Her adaptation choices were brilliant. Brilliant. And oh, she made so a movie that is so so faithful to the book and also somehow incredibly creative and original. I don't know how she did it. It's brilliant. We're going to talk about that more in scenes. Yes. So I that love was, it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Those, and I love that you have such strong feelings. Love, love, love the movie. Hate, hate, hate. <laughs> Later. <laughs> and I, I've been genuinely so confused about Ooh. how I feel about this entire thing. <gasps> Wait, Not, even still? Because that was your initial I know, reaction. I, I, I'm still a little, and I feel like we're going to figure it out somehow throughout this because I, all I could think of, because I told you, I'm going to think about this. I'm going to figure out, because listen, Mm -hmm. I thought the movie was excellent. I I mean, there's so much to love about it. There, I thought it's important, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. There, I thought. It was pretty. It it, It was well acted. Yes, it was well acted. So there was nothing where I was like, oh my God, you know, it was more Mm -hmm. just like, and and there was so much that I could relate to. But mm. it wasn't, on an intellectual level, I could relate to it. And that yeah. so much of the things that we're going to talk about with motherhood and, and, and how it's depicted and all of that. But it didn't, 
it didn't like hit me viscerally, which I didn't mm. understand why not. Intellectually, I was I was all right, in. And sure. so that's the part that confounds me still. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I know maybe like like every good therapy session and oh, I'm sorry, every good podcast recording. Maybe <laughs> we'll get to we'll it. We'll get to it. We're going to talk about Leda first. Normally, I adore unlikable women. Yeah. I don't like perfect. I don't like average. I don't like standard. I don't like cookie cutter. I don't like to see a portrayal of someone who I can turn to my left, turn to my right, and and engage with them. I want to see someone on the screen that is out of every box I know. I like women who push against things that keep them small or try to define them. They push against soul-sucking jobs, husbands, parents, children, society, whatever it is. And that's Leda. Yeah, it is. But I hated her. I hated her. And I think before we really get into who she is, I think the reason I hated Leda was that fucking doll. Oh, the doll. I can't. The doll. The doll. The fucking doll. That's exactly how you have to say it, please. I was calling it the damn doll in our emails. Yes, but the damn doll is good. I like the alliteration. Yes. Oh, that goddamn doll. So, I, I mean... You want to talk about the doll first. I do. Well, because yeah. I think yeah, it is the thing for me. I think it's a brilliant device. Mm-hmm. Because, especially, I will say, in Maggie Gyllenhaal's version. Because it gave us a reason to hate Leda. When we feel something like hate or repulsion, anyone, I think it's a human response to not to know why. Why do I hate this person? Why do I hate what's going on? We need a concrete explanation. At least I do. In The Lost Daughter, you don't need any reason to hate Leda besides what she does to Nina and Alina with that goddamn doll. Yeah. And in some way, I believe that freed her and it freed our minds to absorb more nuance or in your case maybe more confusion more more conflict exactly about Lita as a human being an ambitious woman and a mother yes Uh, to me the doll was a scapegoat and to the extent it's actually possible which is still debatable I think the doll was a device to detract from vilifying Lita as a mother yes Yes. Whether it was successful or not is still, I think, up for debate. But that was what it did for me. It gave me something to hate. And I, I and that, at the end, the more I thought about it, I was like, I don't hate Lita for anything she did, Lita, except the doll. Except taking the doll. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. For me, it added to my confusion. I, <laughs> I what, why are you doing that? Like, yeah. so... You know, I just kept thinking, just give the kid the fucking doll. Like, I, yeah. I really, like, why can't you just give the kid the doll back? Now, yeah. And I, I understand, I mean, I'm, like, going back to college English classes. I understand the symbolism. Mm. I, and I, maybe it's, so I assume good. it's important in the book, too. And I understand that it represents different aspects of the mother-child relationship. And, and I think for Leda, you know, to me, I was like, okay, I guess through the doll and taking care of this doll and buying it new clothes and protecting it these are the things mm-hmm. she didn't do with her own children and 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 I get all that but it was a little distracting for me because I just kept not really understanding 
mm-hmm. why she was doing it. And that that part of the doll story, I think I think that is the main source of my confusion about it. And then parts of it were just so creepy with the doll, yeah. with, the, with the maggot <laughs> or the worm coming yeah. out. It really tested my, like I said, my English major, like symbolism, what does it all mean yeah. type thing. But... You know, I understand it's it, it it it's symbolism is huge. Yeah, it is, and it to me it was the thing that connected her to, as a daughter mm-hmm. and a and mother. mother exactly it, because she had her own experiences as a daughter and as as a child and as a parent. So it was that connective tissue for me, right? Because she but, had told her daughter that she got one from her mother, and then she gave yeah. it to Bianca, who, you know threw it out the window or no she she defaced it and then yeah no Leda Leda threw it out the window right but girl because the daughter didn't deface it treated the way she Mm -hmm. wanted to so the book then would not have helped you because there were there were a couple things about the book and I was very faithful to what happens with the doll but we are in her head and so we got much more of what she was thinking Although what she was thinking was often, why am I doing this? So that would not have made oh. you feel any better. She really was thinking, why Why did I take it? That actually and would then, make me feel better because I'd be like, okay. okay, great. You have the same question as me. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Like, at least it would be an acknowledgement. Yeah. She also was more, at least surfacely concerned. She would think to herself, when am I going to get back to her? Okay. That, uh, and she'd be like, oh, it's raining now. I might not be able to get back to her today because they're not going to be on the beach. Oh, this would help me, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That she was actually thinking about it. Like, why am I doing this? Maybe I should give it back. You know. Yeah. Otherwise, it was all See, very mysterious in this. I know. And I, I actually preferred that. Mm-hmm. I. That's why I think Maggie Gyllenhaal's choices in the adaptation I mean obviously she couldn't have shown her thoughts that's just not possible in a movie but I think she really leaned into we don't really get that Olivia Coleman is torn about having this doll I mean there are even moments when I feel like she's outright defiant like this is my doll yeah like territorial like this is I'm not going to give this doll back this is my doll now Mm -hmm. and at, at one point with Lyle she even says its name is the name of the Mina yeah. Which was her doll's name. Yeah. Right. I mean, and did you, I just thought, you know, like we said, she threw it out the window in anger. Her in doll. The, in, her doll in the past. Mm-hmm. But then right. now in, in the present, she's rescuing a doll, keeping yeah. it safe and hidden. And is this her way of sort of reconciling her past misdeeds and in, in, in the way she's taking care of this doll? I mean, but then at the so same time, I I'm like, think- but you're also fucking with another mother daughter yeah yeah and causing them pain so so i i think the line that is most informative of what's going on is the the one where they're in the toy store Mm -hmm. callie's husband oh i don't i don't know actually i don't know but he says children they see something they want it and they just say this is mine now yeah they they don't think about yeah. yeah they don't think about and what am I taking away from someone else? They find it. They say, eh, it's mine. Finder's keeper. It's a very immature way of thinking. And I think that's where Leda is in her head. Mm-hmm. So when I said that I, after my first watch that I thought this was 
there was something odd about it. I think it all relates to the doll. I yeah. have thought a lot about that. And the whole thing is a little odd. I mean, it she's is. caring for it a doll. Is. And then this oh doll, gosh. like I said, turns creepy. And, you know, so yeah. the, the doll, I think, is was my reaction to the the source of my, this, this was a little odd for me, that part. I, I think yeah. that is for a lot of people. I've talked to a few of my friends about this. And it's just like, Olivia Coleman's amazing. Or how about Dakota Johnson? Amazing. But wherever one thing they pick up, it's always, but what about that doll? Yeah. Or what about, <laughs> exactly. It's like, but the doll? But question the doll? mark, question mark, question exactly. mark. You know, it's like, that was a common thing. I also found it weird. I Generally, I like weird. Yeah. I found it offensive. I found it. Uh, it made you hate her. It made me hate her. What she was doing, I understand that somewhere in her mind, when she was holding that doll, in my opinion, she is not even a mother. She is a child. Yeah. She is mm-hmm. the lost daughter. And so when she's holding that doll, she is the lost daughter and she doesn't think about any anything that a normal adult woman be, would be thinking about. I think that's pretty far for anyone to kind of relate to, to yeah. do something like that. But if we sat everybody down on a couch and was like, what is the thing that happens that brings you back to – you know, eight-year-old Kate or, yeah. you know, you know, 10-year-old Liz, my other friend. Like, you know, it's like, I bet there is something where everyone reacts like a child. Now, you don't go as far as, right. as she's gone. Later, yes, but. As gone. But it's there. I know mine. It's my brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's takes me very right similar back. for me, too. Takes me right back. Yes, as if I'm a my child. entire life uh-huh. has not happened. And I am a young child reacting. 100%. We have yeah. that in common. I, yeah. I literally watch myself around my brother and I'm like, I are you nine? Who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> so I'm like, you, you are go. a professional. You are a lawyer. Right. And this guy has you reduced to sounding mm-hmm. and feeling like a nine-year-old. So there you go. So yeah. that that might be. And I would steal into... his doll. I, I'm just yeah. kidding. See, yes. <laughs> oh, I would. Yes. yes. And I would keep it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh my God. All yeah. right. I get it. There's I get a... it. There you go. An access point. There. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. So all right, but do we want to talk about her outside of the doll? Because she is a fully formed three dimensional human being. Really, kind of times two. Yes. We exactly. Have... We have the. The younger version, played by Jesse Buckley, and we have the present-day version, Olivia Coleman, both amazing. Before we even get into her complicated woman, do you did you read about her name? You know, she said to Will mm-hmm. in that scene that her namesake is Leda and the Swan. It's actually a poem by William Butler Yeats. And so Leda and the Swan is, like I said, the name of a Yeats poem in which he retells the classic Greek myth in which Leda, a human woman, is raped and impregnated by the god Zeus while he is in the form of a swan. And it results in a conception, and the baby is Helen of Troy, who grows up to cause the legendary Trojan War. So she's actually named for a woman who is impregnated by Zeus and then has a child that goes on to basically cause the biggest trouble of all trouble in Greek mythology so I thought that was very interesting about mothers and daughters and 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 your offspring you know Mm. causing you know and also just being a woman so 
It's interesting. That is where Leda gets her okay. name from. Okay. Yes. I, I was going to say, younger Leda is in a very particular time in one's life. There is really nothing like the stage of your life where you're becoming a new mother, young children. It's a whole reorganization of self. Mm-hmm. Of And even if sometimes self is just merely your schedule your hours how am I going to work and be a parent and do all this stuff it's a real time of upheaval so we are getting her in that very specific time yes yes just the crushing (laughs) weight of what it feels like when your kids are little and you're trying to manage all that and a lot of people on our Instagram comments were saying that they couldn't watch this because it was so painfully accurate like all this stuff about how they saw aspects of being a mother in in her that that really made it almost hard for them to watch. I think when most people say that, they're talking about young Leda. They're talking about I all this I think identifying with her for the most part is young Leda and her struggles as a mother. And that you're right, does not involve the the doll and whatever gets weird about that. <laughs> so when I say that I relate to her Well, obviously I said I'm confused because I think it is confusing because you're trying to deal with both present day Leda Mm -hmm. and and younger Leda. But if I just look at younger Leda, then yeah, I think that's who I mean when I say I relate to. And she's the one where I'm like, oh man, that's hard to watch. I think for different reasons for me, more the her trying to put aside her own needs and wants and desires more so than just, you know, oh God, wow, I can see, I remember how hard it was to have little kids. That mm. that part, yeah, I relate to that. I mean, I, I, that takes me back there a little, but that's not the part that, that really hits me. It's this struggle that she's having with wanting her career, having to figure out how to pursue that passion while also being a mother and a wife and then having to deal with this desire that she feels for, you know, Peter Sarsgaard's character and her affair, ensuing affair, and all of that. That's the part where I have a lot of, I don't know if it's sympathy or just understanding for that struggle. And I think you're right. If you just look at that period of time for Leda, then I don't, I, I assume then you don't feel the fiery anger of later Leda stealing a doll from a six-year-old. <laughs> oh God, no, 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 yeah, no. I found her very relatable. And even when my impulses, my reactions to that time were very different from hers, but the feelings are incredibly yes. relatable. You don't escape the crushing responsibility and suffocating nature of new motherhood you don't no one does it's just a matter of what it what that does to you yeah, yeah did not exactly hate young Lita. yeah and I think later when she says that she's selfish you know I sort of miss that your anger was really directed at her basically going after a six-year-old when you put it that way it's like oh yeah that's fucking horrible I mean she and I didn't think of it that way like I thought because I really think the whole thing with the doll was so odd to me and so weird that I was just like I don't even know I think I told you I was like just give her the fucking doll back like I had that reaction but I didn't have the I hate you for it and if I did it was more towards Nina like 
kind of as Nina says at the end, like you saw what it did to me and you just, I just didn't really think of what it did to the little girl. And that, when you phrase, phrase it that way, I'm like, okay, I can see how you hate her. I, I just was thinking in the middle of the night, like, oh my God, I don't, I don't hate her. And why don't I hate her? And Jesus, why do I still care? Why, why am I still defending her? I really felt the need to defend her in some way. And then I, of course, because I'm trained under you, uh, <laughs> I thought, well, what does that say about you, Kate? Why, why are you getting defensive? And did I feel I needed to defend myself somehow? And my own feelings of sometimes feeling selfish in the sense that I make choices that I think are going to mostly benefit myself. Mm. And I think about those things first sometimes. Mm. And, and I think by definition in society, the mother's supposed to put her child first. So does that make me selfish by really thinking about what's going to make me happy first or taking care of my needs first or, or caring about my ambition and, and all that. So I felt on behalf of like Leda, that I had to, that maybe I had to say things in her defense. And I don't, I don't, I think that's why, because I think it was striking a nerve inside me about what the choices I make. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty, that's pretty heavy for a movie (laughs) to have caused such a reaction. Yes. I found her very ambitious obviously obviously very intelligent she was very (laughs) overwhelmed and the hardest part for me to watch was in addition to how hard it is to be a new mother and to figure this stuff all out she was very desperately clinging to her old self I felt like she was really holding very tight to who she was before and I don't know there's just something better about kind of losing yourself for a little while and then trying to build something new and I feel like she was just holding on so tightly. And that's just painful. It's mm-hmm. it's an impossible, frankly impossible. You cannot be who you once were and be a mother. It's just not possible. It has oh. to be adjusted yeah. at, the, at the very least, right? And some of us try real hard. That yeah. that that seemed very relatable to me. I went through it too. But, but I chose to give myself over. Now, I felt lost and upset and confused and overwhelmed and I felt all of those things but I just knew there was no way to be who I once was now my more of my pain to be honest came from uh, the expectation that I would love being a mother like whole hog I would that the whole thing was going to be this immersive amazing experience I was so willing to give myself over to it and and ditched the old person that when it was like, oh, this is not enough. Yeah, this is yeah. this is a struggle. That my pain came from more that that side of it, as opposed to holding on to the old side of it. But I think but that- expectations and identity uh, these are very challenging things to reexamine for most people, including me. But you know, there are people like me who have trouble letting go of parts, right? That that try to keep all the parts. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know this about <laughs> yes, me. Yes, yes. You yes. know, so it kind of tracks that mm. I, you are very good at, you know, as we've said, of burning things down, building them back up. And I'm mm. like, how can I keep all the things yeah. <laughs> and never have to burn anything down and keep all the parts? I understood what she was trying to do there. Yeah. And... And why it doesn't doesn't work, you know? 
Well, and in her case, it it forced her to a breaking point where she yeah. chose. And mm-hmm. I think she chose in a way that clearly we, we see she has a lot of regret for. Yes. I think, you know, the segment is Complicated Woman and our, it's the theme of this podcast. And I think she might be, to me, one of our most complicated, you know, I read Maggie Gyllenhaal said the movie is asking a difficult thing of people of men and women which is to be able to hold in your mind a mother who is many 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 complicated things who is good and bad at the same time and I mean she is both good and bad at the same time I mean the flashbacks I think show a very nurturing fun loving mother but they also as we'll discuss, show a very frustrated, angry, and sometimes neglectful mother. I mean, in those Mm. same scenes, within minutes, you can see both sides. And then even the present day, Leda is, as I've said, a bit of an enigma for me. I mean, you know, I mean, she's tough, like when she won't move her chair when asked, you know, that scene in the movie theater with the rowdy kids. But Mm -hmm. she also has a light side that we see at times, Mm -hmm. you know, when she opens up and she she does, you know, confound me in that I cannot relate to a lot of the things she does. And then there are ways, which we're definitely going to talk about, where I think I literally am her. So, <laughs> I, and I mean, it's very, this is why I go back to what I said at the beginning. It's a very confusing experience for me. Another thing Maggie Gyllenhaal said about Leda is she knew two things about her. One, she can't be crazy. If she's fundamentally sane, then we're all indicted, she said. And she said, also, the movie is dark and painful, and she's a tough person to spend time with, so it's important that she be wonderful. So can't be crazy and to also be wonderful. And she said that that came from feedback she got from Elena Ferrante. They had been exchanging letters while she was uh, producing the movie, and that it was a note from Ferrante that said, you know, she can't be depicted as mad or crazy. Yeah. That yeah. she has to be somewhat universal. Because she said if she's crazy, then she lets every other person off the hook who has any kind of ambivalent feelings about their own mother, about mm-hmm. being a mother, about being a daughter or a child. If she's crazy, then why make this movie? Yeah. And I think oh, that yeah. is... She's not crazy. I mean, I didn't sense that. Not at all. You know, and I think they're right. One tinge of madness in there. There's no. But if there was, right, then you could see people would go, "She's oh yeah, right or forget it." Yeah, this is not. Although I just don't know if that was enough. Her feelings are incredibly relatable. Some of her impulses, some of her moments of weakness, but you know, like in any good drama, she takes it to lengths that we would never entertain. And I am afraid that her actions, not those passing moments and feelings, but those actions will take her beyond the realm mm-hmm. of relatable yeah. for so many people. And I share the same concern because I think absent the leaving them for three years, people could be like, all right, you know, I can relate to this or that. But even the the leaving, I think, is is maybe a bridge too far for some people. And I do think even for me, all these things I'm saying, I I, I think I've said, the goal, leaving them for three years is an extreme for, and it, I understand it's for a movie. Even I am like, okay, that that's hard for me, that part to relate to. But the the feelings that drove her to that and, and that part I I could get on board with and, <laughs> and could relate to. The leaving for three years, okay, I wouldn't do that. But but I, I, 
I do think because I understood so much of of the rest of her, the, again, the past Lita, Lita, her doing that didn't shock me, I think, as much as maybe other people who maybe couldn't even relate. But I just wonder, yeah, it's just, it's curious because I do wonder how many people didn't like her. At what point do you know you hate Leda? And for me, it was very early on because of the doll. But then you don't know she left her kids until the the end of the movie. Right. That's why I didn't hate her. I didn't hate her at any point. I mean, I didn't. But but certainly when those facts come out later, it's a different, yeah, but you're right. They save that. So you get to know her and... And get yeah, but a I, perception unfortunately, of her. I think you're, what you're getting to know is by that point not surprising that she left her kids no. for three years. It seemed in line with who this person is. It's the same person who won't give up their chair to a to a family that mm-hmm. wants to sit together, and it's the same person who, you know, makes a big stink about teenagers in a movie theater instead of leaving, or you know, whatever. It's it is all in line with who she was at that point. Mm. But you said tough. I've I I think she's abrasive. Yeah. And she's too isolated. She doesn't have any, you know, like we talk about this a lot. The thing that makes us look a little bit deeper at a, a character that we don't like or, or having a poor reaction to sometimes when subconsciously when they have someone that loves them or when they have a pet the whole theory behind save the cat is if you just have them want to save a cat then we they will be endeared to us (laughs) no matter how terrible they are and we've talked about some terrible people murderers drug dealers people who send lots of people's lives in terrible directions and she doesn't have that and i wondered if that is not helping either Probably, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I think that is, I, I think abrasive probably is a, a, a better word. But I think it's just, she's like, I'm a selfish person. I do whatever I want to do when yeah. I want to do it. Yeah. And she doesn't have much regard for anyone else. Now, listen, I liked seeing that. I liked seeing someone who would not give way to, you know, a rowdy group of vacationers or she's not looking for the easy way out ever. And I, I admired that yeah. in her. She didn't give to a me, fuck. Yeah, yeah, she is definitely an I don't give a, a fuck type person. I also, we'll talk about this later too. This Kate will get on the couch. But I I call myself a selfish person all the time. I mean, I don't know if I do it to you. I, I use the line all the time. I, I actually do consider myself to be a very selfish person. And so... I don't think I've ever heard you say that. I do. I say it a it's lot. Funny. Maybe it's only in okay. therapy. So uh, I, I, those aspects, her selfish aspects, I actually are probably one of the ones I relate to more. And I, I you know, I said in that quote that Maggie Gyllenhaal said about Leda and that there was two things that were in, she knew were crucial. And one is that she not be crazy. And the other that she be wonderful. And I guess maybe you didn't, Pre- and I assume she's talking about mo- more about present day Leda. But I did see some of those aspects of her. And I wonder if if other people would agree with that. Like, to me, that scene with with Will, where she's talking about her children, but just the way she interacts with them, there's some flirting. Like I said, the John Bon Jovi living on a prayer dance scene. Even the scene with Ed Harris when they have dinner. Like, I see some of the warmth and and 
wonderfulness of her, but I have a sense that a lot of people would not necessarily agree with that characterization of her. Yeah, I I definitely do not see wonderful. Yeah. I do see extremely intelligent and thoughtful mm-hmm. and obviously a, like an important thinker, which is very mm-hmm. valuable to me uh, in my mm-hmm. mind. That's a very valuable thing. So she's not all you know, the negative stuff in my mind, but wonderful. I don't know. I just, maybe I have a hard time with that word, period. And you know, what you don't see in present day Leda is that laughter and joy that you see when she's having moments of that in the past, like when the hitchhiker, I know she's drunk, but she's having fun. And then when she goes to that conference and meets Peter Sarsgaard and all that, and you see there is like, she has this big laugh and she laughs with like her whole body and, there is some freeness there that, again, post these choices she made, present day Leda doesn't seem to have that. She's That's another way in which it's affected, I think, the way she is now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some of the joy is maybe gone. She is complicated. She has messed. She's complicated our brains <sighs> is what she's done. <laughs> let's get into scenes. Yeah, let's get I, into scenes. I, I mean, there's too many. I really... <laughs> I really had to hold myself back. I cannot not mention the moment, the early scene with Callie, who, by the way, is played by one of my favorite lawyers, Carolina from Succession. (laughs) I loved that. Loved seeing her. Oh my gosh. And I loved seeing her in a completely new light. She nailed the accent. I thought she was perfect. (laughs) Oh, I thought she was fantastic. So, Oh, when it's her birthday, here she gives her a piece of cake, and aren't you going to eat the cake? The cake becomes a thing. I loved it. And see, exactly. now look, those two head to head, Leda and Callie, I love. Yes, that. all I their scenes, loved. tension, and a, oh. oh, and I was rooting for Leda there. Yeah, you're just and not going. You're just not going to take a bite of that. I mean, who who yeah. holds a piece of cake and doesn't take a bite? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, don't take a bite, <laughs> but. The line where she says, children are a crushing responsibility. Happy birthday. She is funny. She's yes, funny. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. that's Olivia Coleman. It mm-hmm. really is. <laughs> it's her delivery. It's her demeanor. It's a, it's wonderful. And yes. oh, that is <laughs> so not great. For, that is not in the book. I will say that is brilliant. I loved it. And the other thing it did for me is that's where this tension, which... It runs throughout really starts for me that it oh. was an un yeah like see because, I found it humorous I, yeah but I after right yeah. after it then you know she's that's when she's walking home and that pine cone hits her on the back yeah there was an uneasy tension for me there I, I thought you know it was funny like you said I thought that line was amazing but there's an undercurrent because that's yeah. when she's yeah, just yeah. refused to move her chair. Yeah. And you know that these guys, even without being told later that those are bad people, you kind of already it, you feel as if they're bad people. And she's defied them. And then yeah. on the way home when that pine cone hits her, I, I, I mean, I was like, wait, wait, did they just hit her? And, you know, and then you're like, okay, whatever. It's just a pine cone at first. But that's the first moment for me mm-hmm. where then I'm like, Oh, this is this is gonna get like a weird. Like, are they gonna hurt her? Like, yeah. that was yeah. Where that it came. Started. I felt that same thing. For me, it didn't start until the conversation with Will when he yeah. explicitly yeah. said, 
don't do that again. Yeah, yeah. That's when it started for right. me. This, this, felt, but the scene with Will is my next scene. But I don't know. The thing with the, the other thing with scenes in this movie is there's scenes within scenes because, you know, he's she's having this dinner with Will, but then there are flashbacks. So for me, I'm like, gosh, Jesus is a long scene in a way because there are, there are these bits within it. But first of all, I loved reading about Olivia Coleman's reaction to getting to work with Paul Mescal, who you know I crush on hard yeah, because he's uh-huh. forever Connell yeah. to me from normal people. Well, apparently Olivia Coleman feels the same way as me. She said that she was a huge fan of his from watching normal people and she was a bit giddy. She said she couldn't look him in the eyes when we first met, which to me is just so funny. She is Olivia Coleman. I mean, she is, you know, godlike actress right i mean so well respected wins all the awards i mean paul mescal i love him but come on he's only been he's only been in normal people he's a young guy he's still starting out and she's dying she says that she she joked that she improvised the scene so she could flirt with paul mescal on screen which i think is great but she was like no 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 the scene was really in there but Anyway, knowing that made me like love this even more because they do have a chemistry, I feel like, in this scene. But I just love this whole discussion they have about what her children took from her, how they resemble her, what we pass on to children or not. You know, she said, he had asked her, do, you, do your girls look like you? And she's like, they probably do. And he's like, because you're beautiful and whatever. She says, my mother was very beautiful. And when I was about Martha's age, I felt like she hadn't shared it. Like in creating me, she separated herself, like pushing a plate away. Holy cow. But that imagery, like she separated herself, like pushing a plate away. And then she said, but Bianca and Martha, what I find most interesting are the secret resemblances. What makes Bianca seductive and not Martha and vice versa. She said, well, they blame me and then she tells his story about when she was younger and she got bigger boobs and then only one daughter got them and the other daughter who did not get the boobs thinks I've given the best of myself to Bianca she feels deprived and I thought that was that is in the book except it's reversed she says she has big boobs before she had kids and then small boobs after it's reversed but but this whole idea of like what you get or inherit Versus, you know, your sibling, like, why did I get this bad trait or, or this, you know, the big nose, oh, cough, cough, that's me. And someone else didn't, you know, and, and I hear this even, I first, I thought, oh, well, maybe this is like with girls because I have friends with girls and they say like, literally say like, well, she got the long legs and I didn't, but then I'm like, oh no, no, no. Like, and I started thinking about my own life and it is, it, I just thought but that I was so interesting. I do think it is a second born or a younger child. Oh, I don't think it's an really? older child. I could not relate to this at all. And Oh, I'm a second child. Right. And I think it is just not on a first child to think about those things. And that's not to say that my brother did get things that I wish I had gotten. But I just I don't think about it. I, I just don't think about it that way. Oh, wow. I also like that she said when she thought about getting implants. But then she said, but, but they come from nowhere. So what are they worth? I'm like, oh, interesting. So like things that you don't get that aren't passed down, like what are they anyway? Mm. But then there's this flashback. So this this feels like a different scene, but it, it's in there. The one where um, where she says she's, it's, she's like home working. I guess it's supposed to be her day to get to work, but her husband's on the phone and, and the, the daughter's yelling because she's hurt herself. And 
and he's like, I'm on the phone like with Columbia. As if like his call is more important and she's trying to do her work. And he's like, I'm working. And she says, I'm suffocating. Mm-hmm. And then she goes to help her daughter and who's cut yeah. herself. Which is horrible. I know. See, this is what no. I could see myself doing this. So okay. she, she does exactly what she has to do. She does her duty as a mother. She, she fixes the boo-boo. She puts a Band-Aid on. But the daughter just begging her to kiss it. Yeah. And she won't mm-hmm. kiss it. Yeah. And I do think that makes people, but I, I don't know. I do things like that. If you, if you almost, because I'm being asked to do it, it makes mm-hmm. me want to do it less. <laughs> I know. I'm yeah. telling you. I, yeah. And I, I know that's one thing with another adult where you're like, okay, I don't know, or yeah. your husband, whatever. Like, just because you asked me, I don't want to do it. But like, and there are people who though with their child would never be able to do that. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't can, I could. Able- I frankly I admired it because that child is so young and so needy. There are just endless pits of need at that time. And I always wished that there was a time or a way for me to be like, this is this is the boundary I put up. I'm not sure that, that was the right boundary to put up. It's felt very emotional, impulsive, not actually like, it's- hey, I need my space right now, which would be a healthy boundary to put oh, yeah. up. No, it's just childish. It's yes. just being petty. No, that's I completely get it. It I makes no it. sense. It's just like yeah. fuck you. I'm not going to do that right now. No. Yeah. It's yeah. you just and then it becomes just like on principle. Like nope, I'm not yeah. going to do it. And it's it's completely irrational and petty and acting like a child yourself. In the book, she does ultimately kiss it. And then says, but I know I waited too long. Oh, yeah, she doesn't hear. She, she does doesn't. not. And so then it cuts back to her and Will, though. And she says again about, she says, the poor creatures that came out of my belly, the bits I find most interesting about them are the bits that are alien to me. So I don't have to take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. And this also fascinated me because there are things, but this is about my own children, there are things they do or aspects of their personality that are so me. Right. And I (laughs) and I do sometimes apologize. I'm like, oh, shoot, you got that from me or my side of the family. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I take responsibility for that. So I get what she's saying, that the parts that are alien are really interesting. And and yes, because she says, I don't don't have to take blame for them. Right. Because I didn't give you that. I don't know where you got that from. Mm -hmm. But there are also the parts that are such a challenge, too, because I just don't know what to make of them or, or how to deal with those bits that are alien so I agree that it's liberating in a way because I was like I don't have to take responsibility for those alien parts but it's also just you came out of me and yet where does that that come from you've heard me talk about certain things about my daughter in ways that she's not like me and 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 how I struggle I feel the complete opposite I am so happy to take responsibility for the ones that I've given them directly because I know how to deal with it yeah. I feel terrible about the ones I can't help yeah. get through. The ones yeah. I can't. I mean, I generally know where they come from. They come from their father. And it's not a mystery oh. where it comes from. It usually so, comes from yes. the other person. Usually. Yeah. But I can't help them. My instincts are different yeah. in, the, in some ways. And so those, I feel worse about those. I feel the opposite. I look at them harder. I wish I could disclaim responsibility for those things. I don't feel liberated by that. As I yeah. do think that Leda does. Yeah, 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 She does, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, she's like, I don't have to take responsibility, but I'm like, but but those make the parenting part so much harder because I don't know what to do Ugh. with them. I'm just like, yeah. what? And yeah, sometimes it is for my husband, but and 
And, but then, even then, I feel like maybe I have some sense of how to deal with it because you've had to deal with your husband. So you've, uh, you've had to figure no, it out a little. Because he's figured it out. By the time he got to me, yeah, he had managed. It's true. <laughs> it's true. He had figured out how to manage this in the world. And yeah. now with a young child, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. And he's like, I don't remember how I fixed that. And I'm like, Yeah, Aah. that's true. That's actually true. That's true. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's very confusing. Uh, so what's your next one? I thought the hitchhiker scene. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have that with the idea of the same with the Peter Sarsgaard, Professor Hardy okay. scene. Okay. Do you but th- this is a th- piece that maybe is different from what you're going to say. I wanted to talk about that the movie does not shy away from the absolute contradiction of the way we portray women in society. Not just portray, but regard women, in, uh, mothers in society. First of all, they're everywhere. Every, every commercial, every, everyone's a mother. It's just mm-hmm. not, even if it's not even the thing, even if it's not a mother's product, it's just everyone's a mother. They're exalted falsely, but given no worth and often despised and criticized for every single thing we do. Mm-hmm. And Leda does that. She <laughs> is so fucking judgmental of the hikers, of Peter Sarsgaard for saying, don't say that, of Nina. And yet she knows firsthand how hard it is. She is the person I think to myself, you would never judge. And all she does is judge and say something, say inappropriate things. Did you think she didn't think badly of the hiker who left his three kids at home? I think she did it first. And then I felt felt like... She, actually, they were entertaining I, and she didn't care anymore about the kids. She didn't change her mind. I think she didn't care anymore. She was well, having fun. Yes, absolutely. I don't think she thought to herself, oh, because the next morning when they're leaving, she says, but but tell me, are his daughters okay? She's like, first of all, they're boys. I don't think she let that judgment go. She just had a good time with them and she liked her. See, and I thought that it was her first, maybe not in that moment she let it go, but that I believed that after that it made her rethink the way she she thought about it. But I think that's because it was boys. But then she left her own kids, who are girls. I I actually thought this was the opening for her to see that it was possible to maybe do something like this and for your kids to still be okay. And so I thought she did, that this was a turning point for her in the way she viewed things and that she was judgmental 100% when they first came in, but that it started her to think about maybe she's been thinking about it wrong. Now, we don't (laughs) see that part, though, but she then ultimately does it. So. To me, she must have come to the realization that... No, I don't agree. I think she's just selfish. She did whatever she felt like doing. I think she was hugely judgmental the entire time to that hiker who left his kids. But that wasn't going to stop her. Just like when she leaves and she is so pissed at her husband for daring to say that he was going to leave them at times when he couldn't cope on his own with two kids and a job, he was going to leave them with her mother. And she was furious yeah well, that didn't stop mother, her from leaving the mother yeah but I that thought, didn't I stop thought... her from leaving no no so i think she has no problem judging other people for things she wouldn't dare judge herself for it gives her the grace of a human being a full human being and yet when she sees it on other people she still doesn't in present day with nina but we'll talk about that i'm getting way ahead of myself i'm going on so many different <laughs> tangents here <laughs> I mean, it's because it's all wrapped up to me. Yes, yes. The other piece of it for me was the Peter Sarsgaard, mm-hmm. the don't say that. I don't, I rewatched the scene. It's like five seconds. 
Yeah. It's I'm like, wait, the one I hate talking to my kids on the phone, they oh. don't like it either. And he says, don't say that. But I can't even just thinking about it. My heart's racing. You have to tell me what. Oh, okay. So I have a thought on this, but what it we, definitely isn't yours. <laughs> Uh, well, we, oh, is your thought that you hate talking to your kids on the phone? Yeah, I, I, I thought talking. this was, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I agree. No, I agree. It's the fact that he says, don't, don't say, say that. that. Well, because oh, it's a, because oh, a mother's God. not supposed to say that is what exactly. I took. This yeah. is what I'm saying. It's that double standard of what is reality and what is this exalted, perfect vision that we hold mothers with a capital M that don't mm-hmm. actually exist in real life. Two, the standard that we hold them to, don't say that. It's also not, don't, don't feel that way. It's not, don't think that. It's don't say that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. My, my uh, pulse is racing. It's everything <laughs> I wrong. I love it. I everything love it. wrong. Oh. So God. it's races because you think that this is what society says. Like we're not allowed to say things like that out loud. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying is cloak yourself in secret shame. Yes. Don't say look for a safe space to say that. Don't say journal about it. What they say is don't, don't say Don't say that. Cloak yourself in shame for having. Hide that. A, yes. Hide that. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he taps her leg very condescendingly in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted mean, more after that. Like oh. I wanted her reaction, but it, it was it was quick, like you Ooh. said. It was quick and fucking powerful, just like the hat pin stab. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for that later. Go, all right, go. Wait, what'd you just say? The hat pin stab. Okay, I I my my ones are about Nina and Lita then, which does get towards the end. But I guess there's the one before it. Speaking of the hat pin by the market when she gives it to her and when she first you know tells her you know about how she left her kids and i i thought you know it was interesting all these things you're saying about how judgmental she is but she says i know you saw me with will nina says this i don't want you to think badly of me and she says i don't think badly of anyone but you you believe she does and nina well, says i'm asking you do you think she does i didn't judge? think she i didn't have that wow. reaction i Wait, really what didn't. about when she's like well so do you want the keys you thought that was she was just yeah nice? yeah. Do you want the uh, oh, t- wow. do you want the keys okay. or not? Like 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 not pissed want, off, not judgmental. I think she was getting an. I I don't think she was judgmental. I think she was getting yeah. annoyed and pissed off. Like, so do you want them or not? Like, but not because she was judging her uh, for doing it. I mean, um, she did the same thing. Yeah, so, I, I right. mean, so, she is. She holds other people to a standard that she doesn't. This is going back then to beginning, which I guess we have to really with the Nina, the whole Nina thing. The only reason she was captivated by Nina was, and this is why the beginning is kind of slow. Mm-hmm. It's really meticulous the way they show her watching Nina with her daughter, Elena, and how she is so content to just let her pour water on her and play with her I think the reason she's drawn to Nina is that she is in her mind the perfect mother the mother she wishes she could have been and then when that illusion is ruined when Mm -hmm. she sees her with Will she I think she judges her at that point and is like you're no better than me you're not who I thought you were and yeah and it goes awry 
clearly. Uh, yeah, clearly, yeah. yeah. And but, even before that, when she loses her daughter, I think I, that's the moment when she's like, oh, she really is kind of like me. Well, right, because and, then you see flashbacks to her mm-hmm. losing Bianca. So, yeah. And then that's when that ideal version of who she thought Nina was starts to dissipate and she grows more animosity towards her for being like her for being yeah, imperfect interesting yeah. and i just thought that i took from that that we're that that this is how we all are like so that she just was able that not that it made her angry because she had fallen off a pedestal that she had put her on it was more just like this we all deal with very similar things and and so i didn't i didn't get the judgmental part yeah i don't think it made her it, i don't think it made her more human i don't think she has that in her i don't think she cannot hold two opposite things i, I think she still judges herself incredibly well, that, harsh that that's so, diff- i agree with that yeah I mean, so but, then but, i i think it's consistent it's consistent with the hiker it's consistent with peter sarsgaard it's consistent with nina it's consistent with herself she expects one thing and knows she cannot do it and most people frankly can't do it but she's yeah. constantly disappointed when they can't yeah Oh, this, yeah. this could be very similar actually to me now that I think about it. I mean, wait, she's constantly, say that again, she's constantly disappointed for yeah. people not living up to what her expectations or... Yeah, this ideal that she holds in her head. I think that's a reason why she's abrasive and isolated is because no one holds up to her idea of what she wants to see, this perfect mother. Right. It's what she wanted. It's what she didn't have. It's what she wanted to be. It's what she wasn't. And then she, she when she have, sees right. it in Nina, she's like, oh, my God, finally. The way this, the, the shot, you know, you see Nina just bathed in this perfect light. Not a harsh white sunlight. It's a golden yellow glow. And Lita is looking at her like, I have found her. I have found this mother that can do the things that we all can't do. And then she's... Oh, interesting. I did not get that out of the beginning. I just thought like she was just captivated by a mother-daughter relationship and then started seeing the parallels. But... I I think she was captivated. She was captivated because she was... Nina was the perfect mother. And that does start to unravel. And it unravels it in a way that she's judging and that she thinks nina is is not who she wanted her to be and and that's why i think she can hurt you know she is she's truly hurting the the girl the elena by taking the doll but she's also really hurting nina and we see that oh yeah time and time again and and nina pleading to her not for give the doll back she doesn't know she has it but you see you watch her hurting and it doesn't affect her yeah, she no, does that, not care. That's why in that scene with when she stabs her, she's just like, you saw what that did to yeah. us. Like you, you fucking like. Yeah. So I think that's you... judgmental and cruel, and the, she is wanting to inflict that pain on Nina for its punishment for what sh- the mother she isn't. I can see that. I mean, yeah. this interesting. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, I don't remember what scene. Oh, the only thing I was going to say about that scene that I loved was when she asked her, you know, when she told her that she abandoned her kids and didn't see them for three years. And she says, Dakota Johnson, Nina, what did it feel like without them? And Nina, Nina asked her that and she says, it felt amazing. It Mm -hmm. felt like I'd been trying not to explode and then I exploded. 
and then Nina says that doesn't sound amazing. Mm. And I just thought that exchange between Ooh. them was like, wow. I don't think most people think that sounds amazing. I think what people could relate to is this idea that it might feel amazing to be able to do what you want to do and to free yourself of, like we said earlier, that crushing kind of burden when the kids are little and all that. I mean, everyone maybe has some fantasy of that. And maybe the fantasy sounds amazing for a little, but I think where you lose people is this idea that it was three years and she actually did it. Yeah. Uh, and that's where Nina's like, mm, yeah. that doesn't sound amazing. And that's this is also the scene where you and I did talk about this before, in particular, where I found Dakota Johnson's just mesmerizing, where I could not take my eyes off her. Like, her, I don't know, speaking of mm-hmm. eyes, like her blue eyes. And oh, my gosh. I, I, it's just, she really is, like, mesmerizing. She is. She is. So... Yeah. In the book, she does not say that line about feeling like you uh, were trying not to explode and then exploded. In the book, it is something I think I relate to more. It is losing your anchor, feeling yourself to be light is not an advantage. It's cruel to yourself and to others. That's how I feel. I mean, I do understand the crushing weight and responsibility and neediness black hole of neediness that young children are but to me the idea of being away from I went the opposite I was like I need to have them closer because that is the only thing that soothes me to be away from them made me more anxious I felt like this line like I was losing my anchor and it without if they're not around yeah even understanding that I needed a break I needed some boundaries I need to take care of myself and I was not very good at that. But the idea of being away from them made me feel worse and not better. It's I one know. of those catch-22s where yeah. it's there's it no – it's just a period you have to grit your freaking teeth and get through. But the idea of walking away, I would be consumed with yeah. worry. Not guilt. Yeah. No, Because I know they would be fine. Mine would oh, – my kids were always fine when I left them. Anytime I ever left them, they were always fine. I never had one bit of concern about who they were with and how they were being taken care of. It was my own anxiety. Yes, which you and Lisa Tadeo taught me. I'm not kidding. I did not understand what you were saying. And now that you say it, I totally do because I don't have that. And that anchor to me sounds like a Drowning. It would drown. Drowning. Right. Exactly. It sounds like drowning. But that, that exchange was fantastic amazing yeah yeah but it goes into to the the ending the first part before we get to the ending can i just one shout out to her the scene where she dances to living on a prayer in her red dress (laughs) i just loved it i loved it that was a whole side of of later that we didn't get to see and until then and i i that was yeah yeah no for sure there's definitely the those small moments where you're like oh she's actually fun and letting loose and yeah and i know i finding herself whatever all Mm -hmm. to to bon jovi i just loved that yeah anyway yes so we call this the end right from Mm -hmm. this part where nina asks is this is this going to pass dakota johnson nina in that moment is so oh you can tell one yeah she's so good with conveying that she does love her daughter but whatever is happening to her is not feeling good and 
what's going on and is it going to pass? And oh, yeah. I have depression or something. And then she says, yeah, if it felt amazing, why did you go back to your daughters? Yeah. So you can tell she's been thinking about what she said. Yes. She could relate to like, what am I, am I missing it? Am I getting it wrong? Or am I just fundamentally different? Am I just not even realizing what I'm missing here? And then Leda gives the line we've already been referring to is, I'm their mother. I went back because I missed them. I'm a very selfish person. Mm -hmm. So then she returns the doll and, you know, she, she says that she was, she's like, why would you do this? And she's like, I was just playing. It's a fucking weird answer too. But when she's like playing, you know, like we just said, she's fired up. Like you saw what it did to us. And, and that's when Leda gives her other famous line from it I'm an unnatural mother yeah that's her answer Mm -hmm. I'm an unnatural mother and do you think that's why she stabs her or is does she stab her then when she says I'm sorry you're so young it doesn't pass none of this passes like I think she stabs her because she fucked with her kid and her yeah, I and not, it's not, not because lines. she's it's because blowing, but no, yeah, but blowing here. her illusion of it ever passing. Like, I thought she was no. also pissed about that, too. No. Like, how dare you tell me this is never going to pass? And nah. like, yeah. I, I think it was just like, you fucked yeah, with Yeah, you me. messed with us. Yeah. 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 You better watch your back. Yeah. <laughs> she's so <laughs> mad. She does it. And she has to go back because she storms out because she's so freaking angry. And then she forgets her purse and forgets her hat on the table. She has right. to go back, and then she just turns and stabs her like that. Oh, I thought it was so good. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> you wanted her to be stabbed. Yeah, especially in that way. I mean, it's I'm used to dramatizing things. In a, in a different movie, that it's, that's a throat slashing. Because yes. they have this underlying criminal tone. You know, when Will says they're bad people, that's usually – you know, some sort of mafia or or crime ring, yeah. drug ring. And I, this is when a throat slash would happen. But instead, it's with her own gift. The, yeah, the, the pin that she gives pen, her. Yes. Which she associates with her grandmother. Leda had said, my grandmother always used these. So I just thought that was another sort of, yeah. you know, maternal and, kind of reference. And she uses it to puncture her, to really hurt her. But at the same time, it really probably wasn't going to kill her. In any right in any realm, so yeah. oh, I loved it. I thought it was so brilliant, so brilliant. And then, and it real you realize then that oh, we'll get to the real end. But you know, the movie opened with her. We yes. should have said you know stumbling. bleeding in that spot and and stumbling. And now it's at this moment where we realize how that happened. Well, first of all, she goes down the stairs. Very different. We see her coming and going. And when she comes, Lyle, played by Ed Harris, who's also great in this, carries each of her suitcases up, won't let her touch a thing. He's winded, and he carries all of her suitcases up. When she leaves, she leaves in very different terms, and she just throws the suitcases, kicks (laughs) them, throws them. them. That was so good. I really liked that. And then she... is nodding off she's obviously having trouble bleeding out whatever it is from this injury and she gets out of her car safely and stumbles onto the beach and is laying there and then the morning which we see in the beginning but then at the end the sun rises and there she is and she does she call her daughters or they call her yeah yeah I think she calls them she's on the phone with them yeah and then she just talks to them. The first time I watched it, I thought it was very sad. 
I thought it was sad. Interesting. So I didn't. Bianca tells her she's been trying to get in touch with her, that she thought she was dead. Mm-hmm. And Leda replies that she's alive. Right. She says, dead? No. I'm, yes. I'm alive. Yeah. I'm alive. Which I guess in the book, she said, I'm dead, but I'm fine. Yes. I read that. Is that true? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, because there's this whole debate about whether or not she's actually dead at the end. This is sort of, there's like tons of articles about this ending. Wow. I can't even imagine that. I don't think. That she'd be dead? Yeah. And in yeah. the book either. I think it's yeah. a metaphorical death. It's Right. <laughs> right. I guess though that the difference here, I think. I don't think she was dead either, but in this one, she actually says, I'm alive. So I don't don't think it was all that ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think her actual physical health, life, death was ever ambiguous. I think it's a matter of whether you think it's a a sour note, I'm dead, but I'm fine, which is not great. But this one is much more hopeful. Dead? No, I'm alive. I'm alive. Yeah. Yes. I think that's more hopeful. I don't know anyone who, uh, you're saying there's lots of articles. It's amazing. About the movie. One is more hopeful, one is more sad. But right. I don't think that there this was are, any clear. Yeah, I just said it's very ambiguous. Yeah. A lot of this is very ambiguous. But I th- um, Yeah, ambiguous f- emotionally. I just, okay, but I'm going to let it go. I don't think it was ever, thought, anyone thought she was actually dead. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot. But I didn't find it sad. Uh, Let me just say what I thought was sad, which I think is open to interpretation. In fact, and I have a different one later. But the first time I saw it, I was like, here she is, bleeding out, losing consciousness. And she's still like, peeling a fucking orange and talking about their dyed hair. Like, it just, I was like, I wanted a real change. I wanted honest and and connect with her kids. It felt like surface nothingness, which is what it was the whole time. Mm. And it, you know, it sent me down a whole rabbit hole of like, what is it like to have a real adult relationship with a parent? Is that even possible? Mm-hmm. And I got the answer was no. You cannot have a real adult relationship between a parent and child, no matter how old you are. Because you'll always be parent and child. Yes. I mean, yeah. And I thought that was very sad. I thought that was extremely sad that it was still so surface. She couldn't even say, I've had I'm a terrible out. vacation. <laughs> nah, oh, not no, really. I've had a terrible vacation and it's made me question everything about who I am as a mother and a daughter. And we could talk about it some other time, but how are you? You know, like, I don't know. That I wanted, I wanted a little bit more of that. But you did not have, even the first time you saw hope, you saw hope. I saw hope and I had relief because Mm. I didn't know, you don't know, I don't think, or it wasn't clear to me what the nature of her relationship was with her children now as adults. There was like one phone call, I think, during it that she got from one of them, but I couldn't tell anything from that really. And You've now learned that she left them for three years. You've now got the whole backstory. And maybe they're estranged. Maybe maybe they have no relationship. I, you know, I don't know. To me, the fact that they were calling, saying they were worried about her, and, you know, they've been trying to reach her, that I took that as a sign that despite what had happened, that their, their mother-daughter relationship, the love, the affection, the concern for the other is was unhindered. I mean... I, I was really, I felt like relief. Oh, I think, yeah, like wow. the meaning that it's still there. Like, well, not they, not like no harm, no foul. I don't know enough to <laughs> okay. know. Of course, of course not. But, but that's like, what I thought it was. I thought it was no harm, no foul. Basically, like we're just gonna call. Like 
I we mean, just don't know. Calling enough. to say, uh, are you dead, is not yeah. like a, the sign of a, of a true bond, in my opinion. I hope for more for my children when I'm when they're 23 and 25. Well, we don't, all you hear is just a little bit where she's like, we've been trying to get in touch with you. We thought you were dead, which is a saying. People say, oh my God, where have you been? I thought you were dead. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Too. I'm like, oh my God, where have you been? I thought you were dead. Oh, wow. I oh, say okay. that all the time. <laughs> okay. I, Because I, I'm a freak. If people don't, you know, if people don't get back to me, Okay. I think something's happened to them. And I say this all the time. I'm like, could you just let me know you're not dead, please? Oh, oh okay. I say it all the time. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, so it's just like, okay. let me, oh God, I thought yeah, you were but, dead. But also, to me, it did build on the other things. It wasn't, if that alone was the only interaction, but it was like, I mean, she called and she's like, oh, your hair is too dyed, put some olive oil in it. and I thought they just reverted back to right. like what mother, which and I, then, which but I then the peeling sad. of the orange too, though, which is what bound them, this connection they had when then they were little and then the playing of the, you know, peel yeah. it like yeah. a snake. Let me tell you, that callback is That's, not sweet to me. It is terrible to me. It is just indicative of people who do not grow. You don't have enough information yet, though, oh, I guess. Sure. I wasn't expecting, like, a deep conversation as uh, the end of this call. I think you're just supposed to know no, that, No, like, I agree. There was going to be no deep conversation. I wanted a brief moment of authenticity. I, it was something I did not see uh, at any point. And I thought, if you can't be honest and authentic when you're bleeding out and yeah. dying, when are you ever going to be? I think never is the answer. And that's what made me sad. Yeah, probably true. Yeah. I just saw this like back to this is the thing they bond over. Like they just, but you're saying it just reverts back to their, yeah, their, you know, no superficial relationship yes. or whatever That's it is they have. In the, yeah. in the, in the, in the very, past. not just the past, the very moment before she abandoned them for three years. Yeah. The very moment. The last thing she does before she leaves for three years is do that peeling the snake thing. So they're stuck there. It did not make me feel good. I will say on the second time around, I felt a little bit more hope. And maybe, frankly, it was reading the book in between and the line being a different line in the book. Because the book, to me, affirmed. She's like, I'm dead, but I guess I'm fine. So let's talk about the stupid stuff we never really talk about. Okay, but then when I watched it again and she ch- changed that line to dead, no, I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe that was her metaphorical death. Yeah. Yes, that and she, this is a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that she could finally have some healing and accept what happened to her happened and what she did happened and that yeah. she was going to go forward without all the baggage. Yeah, I, I also felt like the peeling of the orange, which – they likened to a snake. Mm-hmm. Made me think of how snakes, you know, they shed their mm-hmm. skins and then are reborn. And so to me, I thought this was sort of a new birth of some sort. She's alive. She's shedding the yeah. skin and and talking with her daughters, which was hopeful. And again, I agree with you. We don't, at this point, we haven't seen the growth, but I was hopeful that maybe we're going that direction or we're meant to believe that it's possible. I like the metaphor of the snake. And also then there was the imagery, the sun was really coming out. It almost was like, now that I think about it, it was almost like a callback to when she saw Nina. The beginning, yes. And she's like, the golden light. Yeah, that, that maybe she was now again giving herself a chance to be this perfect mother, even though perfect doesn't exist. Exist, right. Yeah. 
So, wow. Okay. Do we yeah. go to damage? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. covered enough of latest damage. There's I mean, more, I though. know. Exactly. Well, yeah. so, I mean, I think it's worth saying to start out damage. You know, we like to talk about different narratives. And there's been a lot of narratives about bad mothers in this past mm-hmm. year. Particularly, mm-hmm. we did the push, scenes mm-hmm. from a marriage, now the lost daughter. One is a book, one is a TV show, one is a movie, actually, mm-hmm. funny enough. Oh, perfect. I for, know, a little trifecta for us. For us. But they that's that does seem like a lot to me. And all because mm-hmm. all of them really were about being a mother and in certain ways, very under the microscope. And all these mothers questioned their mothering skills, their caretaking abilities. Nobody else used the words, I'm an unnatural mother, but I think that was an underlying premise of, am I? Am I a good mother? Am I a bad mother? Am I, what what does all of that mean? And I think both Blythe in The Push and Mira in Scenes were focused more on comparing themselves to their husbands, which was interesting. I didn't think about it until I saw Alita, who is not. And so conflict arose to different extents within the family unit, right? In here you have Fox wanted Blythe to be someone else basically as a mother, which is why he leaves her and finds somebody else. But And I think Jonathan just wanted Mira to respect his role as caretaker. He didn't want a different mother maybe as I thought Fox did. He wanted her to have more respect for what he did and what he brought to the hidden. But The Lost Daughter doesn't position Lita against her husband really at all. And the book has even less of the husband than the, than the movie, which is very little. But it pits her expectations versus her reality and her competing desires to be both mother and be other, like worldly, and to belong yeah. to someone versus belonging to the world or, or, or to no one but herself even. So... These movies and TV shows and and books, they show different issues, different fantasies, different struggles, different consequences. And I'll talk about that a lot more in the takeaways. But I couldn't just – I couldn't not note the proliferation of these narratives, which is something we love. And it gives dimension even to the very narrow term of good mother and bad mother, which – shouldn't even exist but it gives so much more dimension and you know like I noted last year in our unlikable female protagonist episode that this was the next realm for nuanced narratives to explore was motherhood and I think it's really happening in a way I I didn't even expect so I love it yes I love it and I you mentioned scenes from a marriage and I said earlier that I did not have this visceral reaction when watching The Lost Daughter I should say, like I did watching scenes from a marriage. And one other angle that I think these two, A Lost Daughter and Scenes from Marriage, touch on that I I love was this whole what you have to negate in yourself as a woman and the other needs or desires that you have. So for both of them, they do have extramarital affairs. They both leave their children for those, right? Lita Mm -hmm. and Mira. And... And they both are hungry and have desire, right, for for in their careers and and sexually and romantically in, in their relationships. And while also, though, being mothers and trying to figure out, you know, what what parts of themselves they have to maybe give up. And in both of them, they don't, right? They're both very selfish in different ways. And that's a whole nother angle that, that is being explored in these that, that I don't think you see very much either. And mm-hmm. for some reason, and it's still inexplicable to me, just 
things hit you differently that second episode of scenes for marriage i can remember which one it is where mira <laughs> tells them and leaves it was hard for me to watch and a lot of people commented on our instagram that that the lost daughter was hard for them to watch which they everyone views as a sign of a good a good product yeah. right meaning yeah. you've hit something so difficult in me to see that i almost want to turn it off and i and and that's what happened to me with scenes from marriage it, it, i did not have that reaction here but but it's it, which is interesting because i do think they are as we're discussing covering a lot of the same ideas or looking at, at a lot of the same issues and yeah. I agree with you though I love seeing all of these different things finally being depicted yeah because it allows us to be having this conversation like we're having now which is to say what's going on is I'm crushed mm -hmm. I feel overwhelmed and crushed by the weight of motherhood so that is real that mm -hmm. is a, yes. and I Someone who says, I never felt that, I find very suspicious. Yes. Because I, but, I, but instead, what they say is, I never thought about leaving. Okay. But even somebody who thinks leaving is a relief might say, I never thought about leaving. And then you put someone who's in the opposite camp who the leaving feels like torture, then it's easier to say that. But the truth is, I felt crushed. I felt lost. I felt at sea. I felt any many metaphors I could tell you that would suggest it's not peachy keen you yeah, know and yeah, that's yeah. the part I feel like we get lost in the camps of like well I would never leave well I definitely leaving sounds like a relief it's not even that it's did you feel like you might lose yourself did you feel like you were dying did you feel like you were suffocating and if you can honestly say no I just don't know who you are I don't know Right. That you never this had that even, feeling. This even comes up in sex life, if we think about it, right? The that she's oh, struggling, absolutely. having lost a part of herself, absolutely. and that, that's a completely different type of show, right? But oh, but no, but I thought, themes. Oh yeah, yeah, no, very similar themes. You're so right. I should have added that into my yeah, to yeah. my list because so that was many. big on that. Yeah, yeah, big. So yeah. well, and we but love mommy issues. I think what puts this movie in a different category for me that's so and I, you know I guess the push does it a little bit too her and no the push does it the being caught between being daughter and being mother at the same time and your damage specifically and just wrecking you is mm -hmm. fascinating and heartbreaking and confusing and how many people look at themselves as a daughter and say what is the direct effect that me being this daughter who I was oh. has on me being a mother. It's a hard thing to look at. Oh. First of all, you can't look at it directly. It's like like the sun, you know, like the eclipse it, it, or something. I was just going to say. It's I, too much. I, I do talk about it a lot in therapy. I'll tell you, it's fucking, you just, before you said it, yeah. I was thinking, oh, that's really hard. But you yeah. perfectly described it. It's like looking into the sun. It is. Look away, man. Yeah. You just want to look much. away. You're, uh, you will blind. You will go blind. And then, what, so what's the point? It's like you'll overload or you'll go blind and you can't, then you can't see anything. Leda as a mother is completely tied up in who she was as a daughter. As a daughter. Like when he said, I think you said it earlier, I'm going to take them to your moms. And mm -hmm. she says, you're threatening me. You bring them back there, they'll sink into that black hole, all that shit I came from. And so, you know, whatever it was, she doesn't want to look at it. And she doesn't want her daughters to be around it. I mean, I thought this entire 
story is really just sort of an ode to like familial damage which <laughs> like you're talking about i mean that there's I, I don't i think that there's just no escaping the damage that comes with familial love like intentional mm-hmm. or not and oh, so yeah. i don't know the answer you know maybe it's just the best you can do is just sort of acknowledge the damage that's been that's been wrought and and yes examine it to the extent you can but i just there's no escaping it to me there's not but i think that she thinks so my damage i summed it up in like in one line Leda remains at 48 deeply damaged by the sum of her experience as a daughter and specifically who that made her as a mother a mother yeah mm-hmm. you can't escape it but so something that is a little bit more clear and it's just really a a line she says her mother used to threaten to leave all the time but Mm -hmm. it wasn't a threat in like a I'm gonna leave it was like a she would be crying and she would desperate and she'd be like you're never gonna see me again but she never left and she says I on the other hand left my daughters almost without announcing it so it's not that young Leda is not aware of the damage her mother did to her. She is. She thinks, my mother said all the time, you're never going to see me again. I'm going to leave. All of the things that Leda feels, but she never left. And so she says, this is what my mother did to me. This is the damage. It fucked me up. So I'm just going to leave unannounced. Yeah. Like It's like, ah, oh, she has almost, it's almost too much awareness yeah yeah because instead of being honest and vulnerable and authentic with her daughters or with her husband or anyone at that point i don't know who she could was supposed to turn to but the fact is she just goes and does the opposite Mm -hmm. the opposite Mm -hmm. and uh, hello leaving your daughters for three years that can't be good yeah Oh. What, what did you think of the fainting spells or the dizzy spells? You know, she's mm. told Will yeah. that when she got up quickly, she's like, oh, this used to happen to my mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it appears every time she's talking about her past or her kids, she has these. Is this just, I didn't know. I thought we think we're not we're our mothers and we are. Yeah. And we're just, that's what I was like, like you actually, this is another thing that's been passed down. Yeah. As I was talking about before, like, you know, you got the big boobs or not. Yeah. Well, she got these and it's like like a constant reminder, I thought, of her mother and, and the, you know, what she's passed down to her, which, you know, like. Except she doesn't, she she tries not to own it though, as, as being passed down. She ascribes it to her mother. Her mother does this. Mm -hmm. no. Leda, you do this. You you do this. <laughs> you, yeah. uh, now it's yours. When you get up, you get dizzy. Yeah. It's yours. But she just thinks this is something her mother gave her. Yeah. But I don't, does she think that? Because she, I don't know. I think she thinks this is something my mother does and she doesn't realize her mother gave it to her. she keeps doing it herself. Yeah. Her mother gave yeah. it to her too. Yeah. yeah. There is wow. another line in the book that is just heartbreaking and I think indicative, again, of her damage. She says, despite my breaking away, I haven't gone very far. Mm. But say that line again about... Despite my breaking away, I haven't gone Gone very very far. far. Oh, God, and I... This is is something (laughs) I talk about all the time. We're not going to get Kate on the couch, but, but there are times where I do feel like... 
I talk a lot in therapy about my relationship with my mother and what I what the ways in which I maybe like her or not like her or the ways I don't want to be like her and or I do, you know whatever yeah, but sure. you can't go sometimes I do feel like I've gone far and then other times it's like like that says like I'm like I just did I take just like a tiny step forward yeah. <laughs> like I just did I go very far I don't know I mean mm. it moment to moment you yeah. know and, and by the way some things are I'm not trying to go far from, you know sure, what I mean? Sure. There are a lot of ways in which you're like, yeah, but there are very specific things where it's like, you know, sometimes I think you take one step away and then one step back. It's a process. What I loved about that line was that it encompassed what I think is really special about her damage and 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 inspiring about the portrayal of it. It, it applies to her as a daughter and it applies to her as a mother. Mm-hmm. You know, she left her kids for three years, but here she's at dinner with Connell, hot Connell, and all Uh she's fucking talking about is her daughters. Yeah. She's an unnatural mother, and yet she's a constant mother. She's, you know, she's talking about them and and thinking about them. And there's moments where she calls and then she looks at her phone and thinks about calling, but then doesn't call. So it seems that motherhood is very much top of mind for her but yet mm-hmm. she's an unnatural mother i don't... she's conflicted yeah well she's trying mm. to break away and she can't get far i think that's yeah, that's, that's a good line yeah it's a great line are we on Me too. what she said yeah uh yes so a movie based on a book that is mostly internal musings about the ambivalence <laughs> of motherhood i was expecting an artsy navel gazing movie which kind of delivered in the first. The beginning is very slow and methodical and focuses on the mundane, especially when you're talking about motherhood. So it sets the tone. But then, all of a sudden, like the boat takes off and I'm dragged along in this undercurrent of barely contained rage and obvious danger. And I loved it. Holy shit. And that is all Gyllenhaal because that is not in the book. There is no mm-hmm. feeling like yeah. that when you read this book. She has amped that up. Oh, boy. She said. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. In my opinion, it was non-existent in the book. And she created yeah, that's what she this said. suspenseful, sinister feeling the whole time that I was like at the edge of my seat about a book that's internal musings about the ambivalence of motherhood. This subversion of the genre, yeah. but the thriller and horror aspect, I totally what? won the movie for me. Yeah, like, okay. And, yeah. and it's from a... Ma- and and I don't know if this is your quote. Your quote is not about this, right? About the horror movie aspect? No. Okay, so that's not my what she said, but since you, you're talking about it, it's my who won the movie. Is she, like you said, she said this was not in the book. This book is not really a thriller. No. She, Maggie said, but I amped that up because I thought it would ultimately give me more artistic freedom. I wanted to even dare myself to move it into horror, a horror movie about the internal workings of her mind. And I was like, wow. And but, but it is just the, it is just an undercurrent. No, oh, yeah, exactly. But that's what I think is so cool because what yeah. is that doing in here yeah well, like why I, I think you and I said this like I it's the, absolutely the thing that was most unexpected for me and and when you watch it you hadn't read the book yet either no. so but even having not read the book I, I I did not think that that element 
at all, even an undercurrent of horror yeah. would be in there. That and I'd also, be sitting on for the edge of my seat. Anyone knows about Elena Ferrante and 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 her book. I mean, she's written yeah. quite a few books. It's yeah. not. I don't. No one puts. They're, yeah. they're very, female no. friendship, Italy. You know, they're not. And not to say that they're cotton candy. You know, light and fluffy. I think they do. But they're not but thriller they're not, or horror no. or anything like that. I thought that was. Yeah. So surprising, that aspect. And it made me feel like, you know, this idea that it's actually maybe dangerous for women who don't conform, you know, who don't negate themselves. Like the, there's a cost. Yeah. And that element that she added, oh, I was, that was brilliant yeah, to me. On I her think part. so too. And, and that she added it, like I said, as an undercurrent and not as part of the genre. Because then, this is my quote, and, and you have already mentioned it anyway. Then we would easily get into madness or farce, and that's not what this is. This is a real person, and the quote is, it's, it's about a kind of normal spectrum of feelings of being a woman and a human being in the world, and that she could give that tone without pushing it into that area is, I think, incredibly brilliant. Yeah, she is. You know, she's a Scorpio. Did were we gonna? Were you gonna mention? No, that? I didn't. <laughs> I thought, yeah, she's a Scorpio Very with good. an Aquarius moon and lots of fixed in her chart. Mm, so I know. Wait, did you look up Elena Ferrante? I did not. She's an Aries. I oh, thought you might like that. Yeah, I know the two of them, the fixed oh, and the that just explains everything. The cardinal though. that that's the Aries book that you would write. Yeah, and of course it ends with I'm dead. I'm, yeah. I'm dead, but I'm fine. And then the Scorpio. I mean, it, it, the, the the joke, the memes are basically that Scorpios look at everything with like this twinge of anger and and revenge mm-hmm. and yes, horror. Like you're so, dead to me. Oh, this is so good. It's so right? good. I love when it tracks with astrology. Exactly. So my quote for Maggie is: She was asked uh, a question about whether you can be whether you can fully be a woman and an artist at the same time. And she said, I do believe there's such a thing as women's writing and women's filmmaking. There are really interesting feminist women who do not agree with me. I think that when women express themselves honestly, it looks differently than when men express themselves honestly. This is really dangerous to talk about. When I am let loose, given a little bit of money and space to tell the story I want to tell, It's about motherhood. It's about the domestic, and it includes a lot of scenes in the kitchen. Can stories about the domestic really be seen as high art? Because to me, it's an opera. I do not come from women whose apron strings were tied to the kitchen. My mom is a professional person. Her mom's a screenwriter and director. My grandmother was a pediatrician in the 40s, and my great aunt was a lawyer. I'm educated, and I've got a professional life and yet my identification as a mother is a massive part of me and this quote actually made me think of you yeah (laughs) right I didn't read that that's great and and not me so Mm. so this is what I was gonna say like I don't feel like this I I absolutely agree with her that when women express themselves honestly it looks differently than when men do but if I was given a little bit of money and space to tell the story I wanted to tell it would not be about motherhood but and it goes with what you're saying before. Like, I'm just so happy that that is what Maggie Gyllenhaal wants to explore. I'm so happy that's what Ashley Aldrain had us talking about in mm-hmm. the push or, mm-hmm. you know, and 
and in these other things we were we were just mentioning and so like and i'm so happy that my conversations on here and you know offline with you mm-hmm. are about that it's just because i'm a mother and this is our point doesn't it doesn't it's not just one thing mm-hmm. and so we that's need true. all of these yeah. stories and and you know what if that's what maggie gyllenhaal is drawn to it's fantastic yeah. I, I love it i mean i that's not do you know what i mean so yeah I, it I is confusing i will say it is confusing because like for me like maggie i do not have a mother or a grandmother that you know touted motherhood as something special or important or precious or or even rewarding there was no pedestal for motherhood in mm-hmm. my family even my grandmother before her time was was a baller she was not caring about the domestic in any way shape or form and so it is a little bit confusing for someone like me who's like well where does this come from it wasn't modeled for me why do I feel so much of my identity tied up in this why it's not doesn't make any sense to me yeah and and I don't know that it makes sense to her either yeah it sounds like it didn't she's saying it didn't but yet that's what she's drawn to and I think she's a little frustrated that people don't call that high art and I actually like this idea of it being an opera she's right I mean Mm. it's like what we talk about with succession like it's really just like family drama it's just like a family psychology I know there's all this other stuff going on but at its core it is it's it's just a it's a drama uh, like an opera about family and and so I know that it's not that's not how everybody looks at it but for us that's sort of the draw so I thought that was very interesting. And I had one other quote, which I told you was actually from Elena Ferrante, but it's also just about the adaptation. So when, when Maggie Gyllenhaal wanted to adapt this, she spent a month writing a letter to yeah, her, so asking first, for the right. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think this, fa- this story is fascinating. I, I'm so excited for you to tell it. But also just for people who don't know, no one oh, yeah. knows, knows who, who Elena is. Ferrante is. Yes, Elena Ferrante could be me. It's not. Yeah. I wish. God damn. <laughs> it's a, God, I wish. It's a pseudonym. Yes. Uh, for it, a mysterious person. And no one knows who she is except mm-hmm. for a very small group of her, you know, handlers for her, her publisher, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yep. And so Maggie, you know, despite her name and her pull and her experience, she's writing blind letters to whom it may concern, <laughs> essentially, exactly. and begging yes. to have these rights she did this she wrote to her and she heard back from her and and she said she could again have the through rights. handlers not handlers. ever like they didn't jump on the phone and <laughs> right can't do that but there was one condition and that was that Hall direct the movie and that was and maggie was like oh shit okay yeah. and you know so she there's she talked about elena ferrante wrote again she wrote an article herself about maggie adapting her book And she said, my less primitive self knows that there's something much more important at stake than this instinct to protect my own inventions. She's talking about the fact that like people with adapting get so, you know, controlling of their work, you know. And so she says, another woman. So anyway, Mm. another woman has found. Yeah. 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 Another woman has found in that text good reason to test her creative capacities. Gyllenhaal has decided, that is, to give cinematic form not to my experience of the world, but to hers, starting from The Lost Daughter. It's important for me, for her, for all women, that her work be hers and turn out well. 
mine already exists with its strengths and defects. In the great warehouse of the arts, set up mainly by men, women have for a relatively short time been seeking the means and opportunities to give a form of their own to what they have learned from life. So I don't want to say, you have to stay inside the cage that I constructed. We've been inside the male cage for too long. And now that cage is collapsing. A woman artist has to be absolutely autonomous. Her search shouldn't encounter obstacles, especially when it's inspired by the work, by the thought of another woman. And oh my God. that, we talk a chills. lot. Yeah, right? Because we talk oh so gosh. much about, with authors and about their role in adaptations and what role they're going to play. And, you know, this, what she said about, adapting and giving the autonomy to another woman to to take her work and and do with it what she sees with it oh i thought that was amazing yeah chilling i really i had i had goosebumps completely wow elena wow an aries (laughs) there you go the cardinal sign yes i was gonna say all very in line with that yeah Yes, exactly. Who won? Who won? I feel like we've already. I had three options. We've pretty much exhausted them. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I d- I already did mine. Yes, who won was the the thriller horror aspect. The one yeah. piece of who won that I didn't we didn't harp on too much was the acting. I mean Dakota. Oh, yeah. We have mentioned Dakota Johnson. I don't know her from Zoe Deschanel. To tell you the truth, I get them confused all the time. But I, <laughs> they do both have beautiful blue eyes <laughs> and and black hair with thick yeah. thick bangs. She absolutely blew my mind. She was not just good; I thought she was incredible. Mm-hmm. All of them, Olivia Coleman. I mean, what what can you say? I, she yeah. is she is a, a fucking treasure. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, Are and we love her in so kidding? many things, and oh. this is just yet another example. Yeah, and you know what else? Thank you, Olivia, because thank you for letting us hate you. I feel like a a less secure actress would be like, I can't keep doing things where you hate me, like Fleabag's stepmother. Like mother. Yeah. Exactly, stepmother. And the landscapers I was watching, too. I mean, she is perfectly content and secure in doing these things where she's positioned as the person you will hate. And that, that is incredible. And she does it so goddamn well. And, oh. Peter Sarsgaard. We should say Maggie Gyllenhaal's husband. Yeah, so powerful and wonderful, and I was in love, in love. Yeah. I also want to say this to that goddamn professor who tried to shit on young Leda uh-huh. and was like, eh, you know, basically says to her at dinner, this is all pretty thinly veiled. He just wants to fuck you. Yeah. And let me just say, mm-hmm. if anybody mm-hmm. uses the your genius – let me speak about your paper in front of an audience. If that's the the angle to just fuck you, <laughs> by, by all means, just go fuck that person. You should do that. Because there are so so many worse angles to, to yeah, trick that someone menus. into. Yeah. yeah. And uh-huh. man, if someone wants to exalt so, your brilliance. In a very public forum of your esteemed colleagues. Yeah, go for it. Repeatedly. <laughs> Then, by all means, fall for that trick. Okay? Yeah, do it. Yeah. Do it. Okay. I give you permission. I that also... Was a little bitter. A little bitter. A little bitter. A little bitter. I also really thought the doll won the movie, but we'll let that... I'll let that go, because I was clearly more into <sighs> oh it than... Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Just what it represents and how she did it. 
I don't know where that comes from in someone's brain. I'm incredibly jealous of that mm. ability That's to fair. see it. Yes. And it's also that it's not only just the symbolism of a doll. But the way it weaves into the internal, the external, the plot, the character, her damage, that doll touches everything. And everything. I think it's mm. so brilliant. I'm going to let it go because I don't think anyone's as excited about it as I am. But if you are, <laughs> please, let's talk. Contact because I'm serious. I have written, I have spilled pages and pages and pages of ink in my own like free writing journaling or documents about the brilliance of that doll and as a device in in so many ways so wow, i'm gonna let it I'm go sensing a little essay here oh god i'm that. gonna let it go i couldn't <laughs> I, I would go on forever ever <laughs> thousands of words okay so takeaways well oh, yeah, we're skipping yes, to no yeah, yeah did you have something no i i because i did i didn't write anything but if if yeah, i were to yeah. I want to know what happened in those three years she left her kids. I want to know who Leda was without them. Oh, I want to so know if a, it was really amazing. So there was a tiny bit of that in the book. I'm, okay. I'm Honestly, I mean a paragraph. First of all, the book, we should note, is I think 100. It's a novella. Yeah, it's like 125 yeah. pages. It's really yeah. slim. So I, so I think there's a couple lines. And she basically says she... God, and I, forgive me if I'm getting it wrong, but it, the, what, what I took from it was she basically fucked whoever she wanted to fuck. She ate whatever she wanted to eat. eat. Oh. She did whatever she wanted to do. And then it kind of got boring and she went home. So that's, you've, but that's what I was but wondering. Yeah. Did she, did she, she, was she still with her lover or was no, she, because no, she, no. she said she ended things, but no. I didn't know if that was true. Okay, no, so you answered no. some of it she, there. The, it is explicit about how many people she has sex with not a number but it was like every day i woke up in a different bed in a different city in a different day and there's you know oh yeah all right so, all right so she did it all i think is okay basically okay, the got answer it. without any specificity but you could obviously have some specificity there yeah okay all right so then takeaways oh boy <laughs> oh boy i i my takeaway is we, as a society, me as a person, you and I in our conversations, just generally, we always think about, consider, and debate the ways that being a shitty mother can fuck up your kids. And it's always like a debate of, it can be a, a wide-ranging debate. It's like, it's good for kids to see a mother leave the house for 10 hours a day and have her own life. Like, so, but, but it's always about the kid. Like, is this mm -hmm. good? And you can say, this is a absolutely good for the kids and it's good for the kids to see the mother in a in a good healthy relationship so divorce is, is okay for that reason like there's all these debates and then of course there's the tr very old school traditional no none of that is good but right. it's always about the kids yes. I was blown away by how being a shitty mother has fucked up Leda yeah how that is a good point how she is so fucked up by her own bad mothering that she steals a doll as a 48-year-old woman, a professor at Harvard, allegedly, and sleeps with it, cuddles with yeah. it, grooms it, buys it clothes. She is fucked up. and But by her own mother? By her, I mean, was, no, by yeah. her own mothering. What? Yeah. The way, but also her own mother. It's a good question. Is she messed up from her mothering 
or from her mother. Most certainly both. And we talked about that in Damage. But at what point is what you have been given by your mother, by either nature or nurture, just you? Do you have agency over yourself? When are you making your own choices that screw you up? And, and what I'm saying is her leaving it messed her up. And I think that's more about her than it is about her mother. Even though they're so closely tied, it's really yeah. hard to differentiate but I do think it's more about her that is something she did that she can't let go of and it's her as a mother that is fucking her up and the things she did to her kids may even be fucking her up more than it's fucking her kids up yes it may very well maybe yes that's what I was thinking as you yeah. were talking I'm like it's actually worse for her it, when, yeah. than it is for the kids and we're always focused on how we're screwing up the kids yeah. or what's best for the yeah. kids yeah, it's interesting. But could it be about what's best for you, yeah. the mother, yeah. or what you're doing to yourself? But also, and the do we know? Do we know what's good for us? Like, she obviously no. thought leaving for three years was a great thing to do for herself. She thought she would be free, and, and it felt amazing. But in the end, she's 48 years old and on vacation and stealing and a doll and cuddling it and... and Dressing and guilt-ridden and fucking, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was good for her. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that right. was a good move for her. So we don't even know what's good for ourselves. I think that's the point. And we don't even think about it. But yet we talk incessantly about what's good for our kids. And is this good for the kid or bad for the kid? Or how will it damage them? How will it not damage them? What benefits will it give? What, what? And we don't do that analysis for ourselves. No. Oh, God. It also sent me really far down a a path. My idea of the ending being sad was I am at a point in my life when I'm struggling with uh, to have what I believe is a more authentic relationship with my own mother and how hard it is. And, you know, because we always go back to those roles. Actually, there's a line in the book that I thought is – is pretty brilliant she says how foolish to think you can tell your children about yourself before they're at least 50 to see (laughs) you gotta wait till you're 50 to to have that kind of bond I guess to ask them to be seen uh, to ask to be seen by them as a person and not as a function to say I am your history you begin from me listen to me it could be useful to you which also she didn't do with her mother no. Oh, God. So and now she's not too. <gasps> but yeah, so all of it got me thinking, does no one knows what our parents are fucked up about, about us? You know, like, can you imagine someone that Bianca and Martha are sitting home talking on a podcast and they don't know yeah. their mother is in Greece or Italy, depending on the book, uh, stealing a doll and, and dressing it and sleeping with it and hiding it yeah. and grooming yeah. it. Like they have no idea. My mother could be doing that. I'm not saying she is, but like, what, what, what are our mothers doing in repentance, in in over repentance for something they yeah. did 25 years ago? I don't yeah. know. That's scary. Because they're not telling us. No, and they're not talking to us. <gasps> I that blew my mind. Blew my mind. Oh my god, that is really crazy to think about. Yeah. And are you really trying to have a more more authentic relationship with your mother? And I, you don't have, because I, I talk 
a lot about this, these mommy issues and trying to deal with therapy, but I've not actually yet tried that, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is to have these conversations that you're saying you wish they had at the end or, or of the movie or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the one where you maybe try to step out of your typical ingrained mother-daughter roles mm-hmm. and the way you speak and have what you're calling a real authentic conversation about things yeah I've not been able to do that yeah it's not easy I have not been able to do it I want it I want it I don't know okay. how to do it is it I, terrifying to you it's terrifying to you. well uh, I don't know I, don't, I I guess it's very scary to me yeah uh, it could be scary to me I think the overwhelming feeling is like I'm I'm, I'm trying to envision it and all I see is a black yes. space. Yes, I can't see black. it. I that doesn't scare it. me. That just, I'm like, well, yeah. what is it? Please vision come clear. And I might be wrong. I might eventually come up with a vision and it, and it looks like this and it's not that way. But I can't see anything. And that is, I it just, I can't work with that. I can't work with that. Mm, yeah, yeah. But you said earlier how in some way that this is like the fantasy of leaving and walking away like, like young Lita does. But I saw it as the warning of the personal consequences. Quences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not in the way of like, don't leave. Because again, I think the conversation is usually don't leave your kids. They'll hate you. And you're saying you even felt relief because clearly they don't hate her. They haven't disowned her. But there's no thought of like, what did it do to you? Yeah. And I wonder, like, who, who would she be today on this beach if she hadn't left Mm -hmm. right no i know and there's no way i mean there's no answer but is she the kind of person who would give up her seat to a family a family who wants to sit together or is she not you know who knows what what could have happened but i think that was clearly a defining point in her life that screwed her up big time and who knows what kind of person she would have been, if she, even if she'd made that choice, but done it in a way, you know, you pointed out that she, or at least maybe this came from the book, but yeah. that she just did it to basically be the opposite of her mother or mm-hmm. the in, way, she, in, well, the way she did it, yeah, the yeah, way yeah, yeah, she yeah. did it. Yeah. And, and maybe had she, you know, again, been in therapy or mm-hmm. talked about it or, or, or. You know, instead of doing it in what appears to be a reactionary impulse, you know, who knows? There's just so many, yeah, different choices or or ways she might have done things that would change who we're now seeing yes. on the beach. And but I thought I think your point is is very well taken that this choice has damaged her. Yeah. And that's what we're watching in the present day later, how those choices have damaged her and not just damaged her relationship with her children, no. which I think is what most people would think about. Or not just damaged her children, period. Yeah. You know, yeah. and her but relationship it's... with them, but also who she is. Yeah. And the choices she's making now, taking that doll. I mean, would she t- have taken that doll from a six-year-old girl had she not, had she done things differently in the past? And it's, and I know you're not saying like, oh, it would have been better no. had she made it. We don't it know. It could have been. Right. Sure. It, it could have been. been way better. She could have been an amazing, wonderful person who would have made every single choice different. And she could have been a worse person. She could have been yes. a bitter, resentful, horrible murderer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who there's, knows? who knows? Yeah. 
but yeah. these choices have clearly consequences yeah. well so my takeaway which is what i've been alluding to the whole time is that maybe i'm also an unnatural mother mm. and i i don't i really that line really hit me mm. and i know people i think people are supposed to take it as as a bad thing when she says it because it's the context in which she says it she's just sort of like listen i was playing i stole your doll she's like you saw how it tormented me and her answer is just like i'm an unnatural mother which almost could be seen as just like i'm just a horrible person mm -hmm. you know and but i do feel like I, I said i do feel like i'm selfish i don't necessarily have a lot of these natural motherly tendencies and i think when I say that, I mean the caregiver ones, because I sure. think that's a lot of what people associate with mothers. And you Which know, is, and we've talked about this. It's just so funny because I've always had those as a person, as period, a, as a human being, yep. not mm -hmm. yeah, right. Before, but as a yeah. human being, you had them, yes, and that's great. And a lot of people, male or female, have that attribute. But a mother, I feel like, is like required to have but it. But that's what I don't understand. If it. you don't have it. How is it going to find you when you reproduce? It's not. It's, it's confusing not, to it's me. It's not. That's why I've never particularly associated it with motherhood separate from the idea that I always wanted yeah. to be a mother, probably because I, I was so interested yes. in caregiving. But but I didn't I don't imagine how it's supposed to like just miraculously be born in you. I guess because there's the idea that it's part of you and yes whatever that it will okay. click in i do uh -huh, think yeah. i agree with you and i i accept and believe that you probably didn't get that memo no. but i think that's what's perpetuated <laughs> i missed like, a oh, lot of memos but yeah, yeah well yeah. so did i apparently yeah. other ones but yes i think that's the idea like they say like oh it'll it'll just click in you know like something there is this notion that when you have a child like something's just gonna like click in you yeah like, well for things. me it was like how to take care of them and what to do yes which <laughs> i guess did not is click in care caregiving no. in a different well, way but yeah in a different way but uh, well i don't know my caregiver uh, uh, abilities previous to having a child involved communication mm -hmm. yeah those <laughs> don't work with a yeah, toddler or an infant no like i have you have to tell me what you need i can accommodate it and whatever but that oh, that's no, a good point a and yours like you're not explaining yourself oh, you can't explain no. yourself so i have to figure this out myself and don't even get me started on the people who can interpret cries i'm sorry i can't i never could they're i'm an un right. so that's mother. interesting though right so you already had the the instinct but it's different how it's applied with with children yeah. or with a baby uh -huh. and i just think that anyone who has the caregiver sort of attributes by definition you you guys seem but now you're describing it in a different way but I was going to say people like you seem more selfless like you're never going to get accused of being selfish right. if your instinct is usually to take care of take others, care of others yes. right yeah. but if your instinct is not that yeah well like that's me, not the thing I get that's that gets hurled at me yeah you're right but there's there's plenty of other things that get hurled around uh, exactly yes. other things yes. but I'm watching Leda and I'm like yeah it doesn't seem to come naturally to her she does what she needs to do you know she like I said she takes care of that boo-boo but she's not gonna hug it or um, 
hugger or you know she she can be playful though and things which I can be too I think she can relate in other ways but I just think maybe she's sort of missing that chip that Mm -hmm. I think I'm missing too and I think it's hard as a mother when you miss that there are things that you I think get judged a little more harshly for when that doesn't appear to be your strong suit I don't feel mom guilt I I don't know why that is. I've also talked about that in therapy. I mean, I understand it. Again, it's one of those things like I understand it intellectually when people tell me that, but I don't really feel it. You know, you know this since they were babies. Like I left my house like 12 hours a day to go to work. I've always let other people help me with the caregiving. I've never believed I could do it better myself. And I have lots of friends who were like, well, who 1000% believe no one could ever care for their children better than them. I don't know that that's true for me. I, I think that there are a lot of things that having someone else, now I've had the same nanny for like over a decade and she's fantastic. So, But there are a lot of things because she was home and dealing with them that I actually think they've benefited. Whereas mm-hmm. if I were mm-hmm. there, I I don't think they would have those same sort of benefits. She's much more patient than me. Right. You know, yeah. she's, but there's a whole, I can go through it. But I guess... In watching her, and I've always, you know, been very. I'm like sitting on, on the edge of my seat, like no, wait, like, like but waiting I don't. Know, know. What is, where are you? I'm yes. Go, I don't going, know yeah. where I'm going, oh, other gosh. than I know. But this is this is what I've been trying to deal with mm. and and reconcile in thinking about this movie. I don't know where I'm going with it, other than like, am I more later than 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 most people? <laughs> Oh, then most would people. think, oh. or, or then most people, or that that maybe that the relating that I'm sort of like embarrassed to say that I relate to Leda in a lot of ways, like that a lot of the things that people may watch and go, ooh, like who would do that? I'm like, ah, that doesn't seem like that. that <laughs> yeah, great. I I don't yeah. know. Again, like it. We said earlier, going leaving the kids for three years is like definitely an extreme that. It's easy it's for, to draw for a movie. line at. It's for a movie, yeah. Yeah, right. But is putting that aside, like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with it. But then I think if that's true, everything I just said, then why did I not have this visceral reaction to watching this? Or is that why? Because I'm like, yeah, okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, I, I don't know. I would think if it was so, if it hit so close to home, it would be that, oh my God, I got to turn this off. This is this is hitting me too hard. Whereas it didn't do that inside to mm, me. That's so I interesting. Know. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I was hoping perhaps I would come to some conclusions, but, but I don't think I have. I just keep thinking that maybe there's a lot more to think about. Yeah. I, so, but... What I wanted to talk earlier, and we've gone so long, but maybe we've gone so long, so who cares? Like, what is an unnatural mother? Like, I don't, I didn't yeah, even know I guess what that I was. thought of it as someone who doesn't conform to the standards that society has placed on mothers and what mothers are supposed to do and how mothers are supposed to put their children first. And if you buck that, then you are unnatural, that you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing or mm. what people expect of a mother i like that and i do think i do that yeah a lot yeah. i get that from a lot of people yeah. how could you leave your kids that long yeah. 
who puts them to bed at night. You know, all of that. I got that much more when they were younger. But I think there was some element when people would say those things to me of that's not natural. That's not Mm. right. You're not supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing that. Yeah. When do you see your kids? Do you know how many times I've heard that? (laughs) A, A million. When do I see my kids? As if... I go, now again I go to work a lot of people go to work I'm not yeah, 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 yeah. saying I'm sorry but it was for long periods of time right. that I would I would leave every day right and that was definitely viewed as like oh or that must be so hard right yeah. I was like mm, no <laughs> no but if I say that yeah. I am an unnatural mother yeah I think my selfish stuff I when I say I'm selfish is because I do think about what I want to do first like like I said like what wh- how I want to spend my time like how I don't I didn't I wanted to keep working I wanted to do these things like it was I I do think I think of myself first and most people or a lot of people would be like well, what's best for my kids first yeah but that you presumes know? you can know you said this before uh, well right that, it's a good that, point that, drives me crazy You're absolutely I right. am always aware I'm making my best guess you said it before again I'll, I'll tell you I felt compelled to be with my kids at all times and and right. couldn't and you because you were saying about your nanny you have you think that they're yeah. better mm-hmm. I felt compelled to I, honestly selfishly I yeah, don't the anxiety I part don't too, know right? that I raised them better than anyone else could have or not I'm I would never dare say something like that I don't know if it's the best thing that they were around me all the time and I can tell you for shit sure my parents were around all the time we had no babysitters we were very very poor so there was no option but I can tell you I would have benefited from a caregiver <laughs> yeah I can tell you but don't you think sis I know you how you feel absolutely but don't you think society tells us I do that and I the just best thing don't would think be the anyone mother. in society <laughs> knows what's good for them yes exactly back to your takeaway yeah. so and, yes. and again I do I am the the mother as martyr but I am very clear that it is a selfish thing it is because I cannot imagine another another way I cannot bear it I cannot do that it is not I am under no illusion that what I've done for my kids was the absolute best thing that there is to do yes I know that and and the fact if anyone can say that I find that crazy I do I find that it is you You got to talk to me for a long time to explain that one how do you know how do you you don't know what is the measure you have no idea yeah, I, I know. And that, like I said, you and Lisa today explained mm-hmm. to me really well. Just about how some of it is just your own issues. Yeah, exactly. Which I get, which by the way, we're all making yes. decisions oh my based God. on our own we, issues. Well, uh, I'll say this. I have a very quick temper. Mm-hmm. So the scenes where she loses it in a hurry, those I could relate to. Just so you yeah. know, I also have a quick temper. Have but a- <laughs> so... Yeah. I can relate to those too. Right. So there was a couple scenes. There's one where the daughter's brushing her hair and as she's like trying to rest on the ground oh, and like play, but and then it catches her ear and she flips out. Mm-hmm. You know that she hurt her. There's obviously the scene when, which is actually part of that same scene when she gives her the doll later, and then she gets so mad she throws it out the window. And then there's the scene where her daughter's hitting her. And she loses it when the daughter starts laughing at her. And so I'm just grateful that my kids didn't have that response. I know lots of kids have that response. 
to laugh when oh yes I have one child that laughs and smiles when you're yelling at him (laughs) and now that he's 11 he can explain and we can understand that that's just his reaction but in this scene you know this child is too young for that or you know in the toddler years yeah you you actually feel as if they're like a maniacal evil person laughing Uh, laughing at you yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then she brings her into the bedroom and throws her on the bed and slams the door and the glass breaks those scenes I could really relate to when just something pushes you over the edge and it's not even some big huge like you know it's not like she has one minute to submit her thesis and the computer dies and the girl's pulling on no this is not the end of the world it's just those small moments when you're at capacity yes that's it yeah, it. and it may not make sense in that moment, like you're saying, why that particular thing set you off, but because it's it's it's, it's just a buildup, right, of things, tiny things that are now exploding. But you, do you have those, you say you have a quick temper, but I mean... Oh, like, absolutely. Screaming uncontrollably and then to the point where afterwards there may be shame or oh Oh, my god what did I just do okay because I have those yeah a lot like I I mean again it all depends I think a little bit on the age of your children you know I think I've had them more when they were younger Mm -hmm. but then the early days of the pandemic I reverted back I had these outbursts like it was just the confluence of all the things that Everyone felt at the beginning of the pandemic and being home and working and trying to do homeschool. And I had them frequently like and I just lost it a lot of times screaming and crying. And then, you know, I have to like be by myself and then I have to go and apologize and explain why I snapped. The number of times I've threatened to smash my kids phones with a hammer is is endless. And I have to tell you. I took such delight, a friend of mine recently told me that she actually took a hammer to her son's Xbox, like took it outside, took the hammer. You know how many times you say that and then who really does it? I was legitimately envious. I got like a twinkle in my eye picturing her smashing that thing with a hammer. And I mean, and then afterwards I'm like, oh, I feel a little shameful. Okay, that was, I just took a little too much joy in picturing like, what a, that. What a fantasy. What a fantasy, but she did it. And I I, I was like, good for you. You know what? How many of us have said we're going to do something like that or throw it in the trash or whatever thing you say you're going to do and you really can't follow through on? Oh, she did. She took a hammer to it. So I love it. I could relate. Exactly. Yeah. But I could throw that doll out the window. Absolutely. I could yeah. slam oh, a door yeah. so hard that the glass could break. She didn't mean to break the glass, but no. that was it. That was oh, yeah. the moment. Absolutely. I had many of those moments, especially when my, my firstborn was a toddler. Mm-hmm. He was so, as all toddlers are, he was very illogical. He never, ever wanted to leave the house. And then when we left the house and came back, he never wanted to come back. Uh-huh. And it was it was like a tantrum getting him out and getting him back in. And every I, time. I, every time. Oh, every time. Yeah. Every time. And I'm not just like I mean it I'm talking about full to- toddler tantrum. I'm oh, not just yeah. talking about like yeah. no, I don't want to. It was like full toddler tantrum. And how many times I had to just lock the door because he when we come back in, he would be 
trying to get back out and open the door and run into the hallway and press the elevator and and I'm like I, I can't I can't do yeah. this and yeah. I would lose my mind lose it's my funny because my older child didn't have tantrums so I didn't know and he was very chill I didn't know what this was until yeah. my second and his tantrums are legendary we used to video them yeah. Because like a child psychologist <laughs> tried to tell me that like maybe then you could like show it back to him when he's calm and try to talk to him. I mean, everything she told me to do, this three-year-old had figured out. He was like, don't play me. I know what you're doing. Like like she told me to try to be like, I know you're frustrated. Whatever he was screaming about, you were just supposed to go, yes, I know. Mm-hmm. I know you're frustrated. And he's like literally said to me, why do you keep saying that? Like, like why are you so condescending, lady? <laughs> that's the mind game too of two kids that are not the same I mine were reversed luckily I think it's better to have it reversed I had the well I don't know because yeah, then the first knows. one I was like I just don't know how to, I, I'm a terrible mother I don't know what I'm doing I'm doing everything wrong yeah and then I got the second one and I was like oh just some some don't do this some don't do this yeah some actually sleep at night and don't have a tantrum every single time you ask them to leave and then come back. Yeah. And the hitting, like like Leda's daughter, I mean, when I would try to like somewhat restrain my son in these tantrums, of course, he would kick me and hit me. And yeah. I, I, people who used to tell their kid to go to a timeout, I'm like, wait, yeah. th- wait do, does your child actually listen? I mean, my kid would be like, oh, no. And then if I tried to put him physically put him in one he'd start kicking kicking me yeah. so I was like yeah. wait what am I supposed to do now <laughs> what is with this time out nonsense I always just left them yeah out yeah he you have the same to way. he would just flail and flail I yes. would just leave them I would just leave him I'd be like I I, I put myself in time out. yes I'd be exactly. like I'm gonna go he is at, scratching at the door and crying and screaming and I'm just gonna go ahead and make myself some tea and have yeah. some lunch yeah and I'm sure my neighbors were like calling CPS but I, I don't I don't I, I like, like that I with, the, with the your own time out and that's what yeah. early in the pandemic when I was having these outbursts <laughs> I used to have to go up in my room and like sometimes I just have to cry or just have to sit there like I had to calm myself down exactly and then I would try to explain like listen you know like later on try to explain why mommy snapped sorry yeah. but I yeah. snapped and yeah. again he's not a toddler you can't explain that to a toddler anyway but now th- I could, just yes. could completely relate to that yeah, yeah. Her, her rage her boiling yeah. over what's interesting though is I, I we saw it in young Leda but I what happened to present day Leda I mean, I get, I, she obviously steals the doll and does all that, but I didn't feel rage with that. Did you? Well, not with that, but I guess there is still some of her, like when she won't move her seat, you know, the, like that oh, kind right. of stuff. She's sure. got like, there's something in there that like, you know what? I'm not, no. Yeah. Like, I think there's pushback Oh God, and the theater, you're right. Yeah, the and the theater. theater yeah. She's got it in there. Oh my God, there. she says that she's going to cut off their penis oh, yeah, cut off it to them. Exactly. So, so there's still rage in her. She just wrong. translates it in another way. Yeah, wrong. this is this is still there. So, I think yeah. hers is. I mean, yes, young Leda. It's it's kind of focused more on the children, but the her her rage is still there. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that I wouldn't say that I even when I was frustrated and having these outbursts as a with the kids. 
I feel like that I would call more just like frustration that then just boils over sometimes, you know, versus like rage. I don't I don't yeah. know that I had I'd call that rage. I think where I have more of the rage is which I've also talked about with Leda is just which I think she has is this tension about how to be all parts of herself. And and you see that in the young Leda, like how to live the fullest life with ambition and her desire and the responsibilities as a parent and like how can that all coexist? And that's where I get, I think, more of my angry today. Because again, I don't necessarily now have like the little kid kind right. of outburst, but mm-hmm. that's where I think my anger now is when I feel like I'm being forced to live some kind of watered down life to use Stacey Rukeyser's words yes. in our sex life <laughs> interview. You know, I mean, I feel like young Leda is bucking up against that. Like, you know, she tells Nina later, like she had been trying not to explode. And that's what I see in those scenes, that it's more than just the parenting. She does still carry anger as an adult. And, you know, I guess, you know, she that scene where she, at the end, when she gets knifed, <laughs> sorry, with a hairpin, yeah. you know, when she says, well, tells her that it, it doesn't, this doesn't pass, you know, I yeah. mean, it, it hasn't for Leda. Like these, it's still, she's still carrying around. I just think it's sort of transformed now. This tension of, of being a woman and, and, and how yeah. you can live all that, that doesn't pass, I think is what yeah. she's saying to her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there are waves of building expectations and then having them crash around you and there are waves of bumping up against the world and and all of your desires and all of the competing needs for your time and energy and attention and and yeah it's not the same as toddlerhood or you know when they're when they're infants but that just being a mother it it never goes away yes it's just part of being a mother yeah but yeah but I had wondered if we're all unnatural mothers because the requirements to be a good mother those expectations are unnatural yes so right so yes right endless knowledge that I don't have experience Mm -hmm. that I don't have patience that I don't have patience yes all of these things and even if you have some aspects of it no one has all of them and no one has them all the time I mean that's right oh my gosh you're you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and the truth is I have mellowed out a lot since becoming a but (laughs) You know, starting at a, a 100 and being a 97 is not, <laughs> still, you know, is not an endlessly patient, caring, let me help you all the time, mother. Yes. Let me just give, give, give. I, it just, I'm sorry. It's just, it's unnatural. Natural. Yeah. It's the unnatural. expectations are unnatural. Yeah. yeah. That's but what you're the, saying. I think, but then somehow instead of saying that, we say, we're bad mothers or or as Leda says an unnatural mother but aren't we all this is what this is kind of what my point is aren't we all and aren't we all only because of those completely unrealistic expectations yes that you could be all of these things and all of the time at every phase which leads us all to believe that we're all failing all the time really does exactly. i mean when when there are those unnatural expectations 
then yeah, maybe we all are end up feeling unnatural and that we are, are failing and not doing it right. And that sucks, by the way. I mean, <laughs> it, it does that, that that's does. the result for so many of us. And here's the thing. I'm done asking what we can do to make it better because we know what to do. I think what's the most comforting in the dark of night kind of moment is to see narratives yes, like this. Exactly. Now, I'm not suggesting make movies and <laughs> don't know. worry about, you know, pre-K, right. pre-K for all. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But I am saying that this is the the piece that opens more people's eyes to this isn't me. It's not that I'm doing something wrong. It, it, this is how. And, and everybody's flavor of unnatural mother is different. Yes. A- and even when you have more than one type, it's your combination is different from somebody else's. You know, it's it's not one thing. And so when we see more of these moments, we have much more to hold on to and relate to. Yes, change the narrative. I agree with you. It, there are, of course, yes, very practical things that need to be done as a society that we yes. we hear at Paid pop fiction leave, women all, yeah, and, and yes, yes, and in, in yes. movies, films, and TV though play a role they do and then because then that also engenders more discourse about it and then the ways in which we talk about motherhood will hopefully start to change and that's a big part of it 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 is. is i think so i believe it i think so yeah and that's why i said i think that having these things like the push that we saw or and, and The Lost Daughter, and people like Maggie Gyllenhaal saying that when she gets money and time and the ability, this is the type of story she wants to tell. And that's that's amazing. I And we it need, is. and like I said, it's not, I'm a mother, you're a mother, we have very different, you know, experiences. So the more yeah, things we can see, I think the more this can change. The more variations that we Mm -hmm. see the less likely and the less able we are to disassociate from it right because you could just be like selfish that's not me so I'm not a bad mother because I'm Mm -hmm. not selfish oh well you know when you lose your shit oh well that is me and right the crushing anxiety that leads to smothering oh oh, that's not you but that's me yeah so right the more narratives we see the less likely we are to say, well, that's just not me. And, and we can all see ourselves in this piece of, of an identity that we're all afraid to hold on to. So in short, two and a half hours later, this, we had a lot to say about this movie. Exactly. <laughs> Which is how we like it. You oh know, we don't, we just like anything that invokes strong feelings in us, good and bad and complicated feelings. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen.com or on Twitter at pop underscore women. 
For more coverage of the women you love, or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.